I like that you listen to Sandstorm. That's very funny. <laughs> well, we put on the June score and then we were like, oh man, it kind of does sound a bit like Dicka Dicka Dundon could start at any point. And then I, no, put, man. Just, I queued up Darude and then I was like, oh man, you really hear it on this one, don't you? <laughs> oh my real God. Little, real little stinker move. <laughs> it was. You went full <laughs> Dennis the Menace. Denis yeah. the Menace. Ah. Oh. Den- Denny the Mini. <laughs> The Dunatics are on the sand. Welcome mm. to Sink Floyd, the podcast where we watch every movie ever made to see if it syncs up with Pink Floyd's 1973 magnum opus, The Dark Side of the Moon. My name, I will be known by many names, but I am Gareth Blackler, and the Benny Gesserit Des- must have already been here because you've already know. It's James Barron. Hello, James. Happy Hello. New Year representative of the Bene Gesserit it's me James it's kind of weird that I'm a guy does that make me the messiah you don't want to feed into that god complex Gareth I've already got an ego that is bigger than the planet Arrakis how is how are you it's a new year it's January it's January yeah 2020 June yeah that's not as good but I love it yeah yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, living my life. I'm a hundred pages into the novel Dune. Whoa. <laughs> um, cracking away slowly. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, very, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm very excited to talk about this movie for probably a record amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm doing great as well. I'm, I'm chilling here. I'm sipping the spice melange and I'm, I'm ready to talk about Dune 2021. Uh, mm. last year's June, that old hat. La- yeah. <laughs> Get that out of here. Um, no, uh, last year's June, the, the, the latest from <laughs> from Frank Herbert. <laughs> you yeah. heard of it? <laughs> I've heard of it. It does feel like we're in the summer of June. Like, oh, no. Spider-Man tried to take it. Like, I feel like a lot of the talk was about Spider-Man, but it's all yeah. immediately died down and everyone's back to talking about June. Yeah, man. After I saw June, I could not escape going to a party and 20 minutes of solid June talk. Oh, yeah. And, ah, oh, That happened yeah. to me on New Year's Eve. Shout outs if you're Ooh. listening person to it that I talked to for a good <laughs> hour about June. Um, so, yeah, I, I did mention that I do a podcast. So, if you're listening, hey. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, uh... It, yeah, we. Uh, you can't not. There's just so much going on in this damn movie. And it's mm. also like, I would say it's fairly polarizing. I've met the haters out there for Dune. Um, they exist. Some people do not like this movie. And I feel like their concerns are fairly valid, a lot of them. Mm. Um, it's not your typical uh, summer blockbuster, I would say. No way. And like, well, compared to like, as you say, Spider-Man, it's night and day. They're totally mm. different in terms of tone. And I think that's exactly what was required. You know, mm. like it's, it would be bad if it were full of action in the same kind of way as a Marvel movie. If it was, it, it needs to be this like slow building think piece, you know? And yes. I feel like the movie really pulls that off. Um, just as a general spoiler free review fucking mm. love dune <laughs> <laughs> yeah same like i would say the first time i saw it i saw it pretty much after um lockdown restrictions were lifted in auckland mm-hmm. and we pretty much hired the whole theater for Whoa. like maybe 10 maybe more i think it was like 14 of us 
in this Damn. tiny little theater. We had it all except for two strangers. <laughs> and we were like, please don't be sick. Yeah. Um, and like, we walked out, we all loved it. People I didn't think would love it, loved it. But I did feel like a little confused. I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it. And then mm. I went and rewatched it at, at the cinema again and completely, it just hit me right that time. I completely got what was going on, what was happening. I noticed things. And yeah, I just, it feels like it will, like, it all depends on how the second chapter of Dune goes, on yes. how people will judge it, but it feels like it will stick with you longer than, like, a Marvel movie. Like, I find most Marvel movies, you find them annoying after a while. Like, mm-hmm. no shade to Marvel movies, which I love. But, like, you're like, after a while, you're like, oh, man, do they have to do the wisecrack there? Do they have to kind of, like... yeah feed your nostalgia that way whereas this feels a little more timeless in a way that i really appreciate yeah they've definitely gone for the epic rather than like mm. poking fun at, like there are zero jokes in dune yeah. <laughs> uh, so you don't go for a laugh um no there's zero characters you'd want to hang out with to be honest uh, i feel like i could oh, no? i could hang out with gurney for a bit i reckon oh <laughs> uh, we're gonna discuss gurney because Oh my gosh. He was the character I distinctly was like, I would not hang out with. And oh, now that I wow. know what he's like in the book, I'm like even more confused. <laughs> oh yeah, he's pretty different. Um, you said you had some Dune and Pink Floyd crossover um, to talk I about. I certainly do. Okay. 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 So the year is somewhere in the 1970s. Um, acclaimed director Alejandro Hodorowsky has just made... The Holy Mountain and El Topo. He's riding high. He's like art cinemas films. By the way, so bonkers. I believe. Did we watch El Topo together and then didn't speak after we watched it? Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) Yeah, it was that movie's a lot. In fact, both of them are a lot. Uh, Yeah, pretty hard watches. And like, it's it feels like exploitative when you're watching Mm. it in a really strange way. But uh, yeah, those. Those movies uh, set this guy up that they, they were filmed like uh, like very close together, and then mm. he like rose to critical acclaim, right? And then was offered Dune. Um, they said he could make anything he wanted. Damn! And he pulled Dune immediately. He was like, "I want to make Dune," despite the fact he had not read Dune at that point God <laughs> and knew damn. nothing about it. Classic. He just knew like it would be great. And yeah, he set out, he assembled this like amazing team of people. Um, he had like oh, Mobius yeah. and HR Giga designing things for him. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast. So he, the first thing he did, he cast his own son as Paul. Yeah. And Power set move. his son off on two years of intense training for this role <laughs> before like Fuck. anything else was approved. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, there's a documentary called um, Horowski's June, which is a bunch of interviews about this. Yeah. It's a little, like, it feels a little bit like it's just kind of um, polishing this guy's shoes quite a lot. Like, mm. it's very up him, which he's got a, you know, he's a genius, but he's got a huge ego. Oh. He's also, by a lot of accounts, a bad dude. I think he's um, exceptionally problematic as a, as a yes. director. I'm going to lay that pretty bare here, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Um and he also was going to cast Salvador Dali as the Emperor, who Pretty great. Um, us 2021 fans have not met yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dali needed $100,000 an hour. He wanted to be, as a gag, the most <laughs> highest paid director 
I mean, actor of all time. Fair. So the way they were going to get around this was they were only going to shoot Dali for one hour. They were just going to get all his shots in and anything else, they were just going to use a robot. The robo Dali. Yeah, exactly. Which would have just been cheaper. <laughs> yeah. The irony of like Dune not not having any technology or robots and then then building a robot <laughs> Salvador Dali for an actor, like Yeah. Um, pretty great. Yeah. It was gonna be Orson Welles as the Emperor. It was gonna be what? I mean as um the Baron, sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would yeah. Oh, <laughs> He would have been great. Holy shit. Yeah, uh, Mick Jagger was going to be in it, like, all this stuff. There was, I've just found out there was going to be a scene featuring, like, 2,000 extras just shitting themselves. Oh. Which, now you're like, oh, yeah, that's an Alejandro Hodorowsky. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, there that's we go. his speed. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what he wanted to make, not yep. the Dune, what Dune wanted. Um, but the thing that is all most important to us, it's the reason, you know, mm-hmm. it's the desert power we're trying to claim from this anecdote <laughs> is <laughs> fresh off the success of Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Pink Floyd were approached to do the music for this movie, this probably 10 hour movie. Yeah. Um, they were going to be the theme music for the House of Trades, And oh. he flew over to meet them in England and they almost lost the gig because they were eating burgers and he thought that was rude. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? That's that's great. Oh, my God. I love the idea of Pink Floyd all eating, like, hamburgers together. Yeah, that's that re- seems so out of character for them. Eh? That's re- I mean, they're just, like, all English dudes, but I, I love yeah, that. Yeah, Lads. Yeah, the lads. Yeah. So, they were- it's interesting that they were only going to do the music for one- set of characters one house yeah. and then there was going to be like a german doom rock band doing the baron's music and cool. there's probably other dreams but it all of course fell through because no one wanted i think it cost them two million dollars just to get to this point in pre-production and like, yeah yeah planning the film and no one wanted to take that risk and it all just fell apart and yeah dune sat for a handful of years um a friend of our friend of the show picked it up for a bit, yeah. um, but we'll learn more about him in a few weeks. We will cover off this adaptation, uh, yeah, notably as well. If you oh. if you if you don't like Dune, get out of here. You're in trouble, <laughs> I'm afraid, because this podcast yeah. is all Dune now. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like, oh, January will only be for January, then uh, bad news. January flows by its own time. Yeah, it's a it's a full calendar month. It's just that it's starting, <laughs> yeah. like, probably, like, the 15th or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, way later, yeah. Oh, God. Okay, um, anyway. Uh, yeah, this is a confusing time year already. I think we ended the last week's episode by wishing people a Merry Christmas. <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy January. January. Yeah. We're already in it. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, so it lay dormant for ages, and then this new adaptation emerged. The cast got stacked and stacked and stacked. Mm. More stacked than Batista himself. Yeah. Um, and the first trailer drops, we've talked about it already on mic, but it features Eclipse by Pink Floyd. Oh, people, yeah. Two people go nuts for it. That's us. <laughs> um, other people, I read some stuff like from the time, they were so worried. They were like... No, he's not making actual Dune. He's going to try to make Hodowoski's Dune. He's mm. going to, like, make this weird thing where an art, a legendary, prob- quite problematic artist gets paid too much and there's a robot involved. He's not actually going to make the Dune that we want. Yeah. And those people were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, super wrong. Yeah. But, you know, th- 
put a Pink Floyd song in your trailer, you'll pique our interest, especially Absolutely. if it's from the only album we want to talk about. Yeah. And yeah, you do that and you'll get a month of this podcast talking about you. That's how you do it. It's uh, yeah. it's a pretty sweet cover as well. Hans Zimmer mm. did it. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just got the vibe down pat for the like- but the trope that is the, the the cover of a like seventies rock song, uh, randomly thrown into the trailer to build hype, like it's it has the it has the legs, it has the history, yeah. and it 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 serves it it fits perfectly. I can't think of a better match um, for Dune as a concept than Eclipse. I think that's like no way. I said yeah. it at the time when I was talking about the trailer, but yeah, it's it was fantastic as a choice. Um, yeah, it doesn't feature in the actual soundtrack to the movie, but, mm. which I think is good as well, because that would have been a little bit weird. It could have played over That's the credits. That's a good point, yeah. That would have yeah. been fine, but I don't think it does. Um, no, I was thinking it might be subtly weaved through, but I couldn't pick it out no. at any point. No, it's just um, all- Except I could pick it out pretty well when I listened to it on mute with Dark Side of the Moon play. <laughs> yeah, it was coming <laughs> loud Suddenly. and clear. <laughs> Yeah, oh. we we should we should we do it? Should we dive into this monstrosity? And yeah, let's t- get as granular as the sand itself. Oh my god, so many! It's stuck in my craw. Get ready. <laughs> uh, yes, oh. let's do it. Um, we launch into speak to me, Gareth, and the movie mm. starts with a small sentence before even the studio logos appear on screen. Wild, There's right? Like that a terrifying. This sentence that just says dreams are messages from the deep and over this in in the cinema it scared everyone around me because <laughs> yeah. there's like a really loud sound that's just like I don't know how, wah, wah, over it and it's like oh man whoa <laughs> freak my dad yeah. out um, oh no <laughs> yeah i saw that i i watched this movie in cinema with i didn't mention this earlier i went with my family uh, my dad's a massive fan of dune and i had yeah. to i had to go with him uh, he he really liked it. He said it was a really good adaptation, um, but he found it too loud. <laughs> that was his oh. main complaint, and I thought, I think that's fair enough. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, heck yeah. Hans Zimmer soundtrack, you're gonna get that too loud feel. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> that's a guarantee. Yeah. Uh, um, so it was June around for you growing up. Was it like a big oh yeah, deal? yeah yeah. Um, like yeah. I absorbed the story mostly through osmosis from my dad, like Ooh, talking, yeah. uh, talking to me about it on like car trips and stuff. It's, he's like a <laughs> massive fan of it. So it has awesome. all the books. I have his copy sitting next to me and it's like exceptionally well leafed. The um, hilariously, it says soon to be a major film <laughs> printed <laughs> on the cover, which is just so accurate. Um, yeah, this yeah. film is major. Give it that. Yeah, it definitely. I'm trying yeah. to find when it was printed. It doesn't say. Oh, it doesn't say. Um, but yeah, it's a really old one. It was printed in New Zealand, so like oh, cool. i wouldn't say it's like the original printing but it's yeah it's yeah basically destroyed <laughs> as a book <laughs> so that gives you an oh, idea that's awesome um but yeah uh we go into studio logos all that speak to me you know how it goes um mm. there are a couple of opening titles um here as well and they appear for exactly four heartbeats a piece in speak to me like perfectly that's lined cool. up which i'm very happy yeah. with <laughs> heck yeah that's really lovely um and yeah, we get into like a very quick kind of intro piece 
um, giving you a little bit of background. See the sandy dunes of the planet Arrakis. Um, and then, yeah, we go into breathe and we see these like big harvesting spice machine things and uh, the Fremen assaulting these or like a, a sort of attack on this harvesting operation. Uh, hmm. And yeah, we get, we're getting some narration uh, by Shani, um, who is a Fremen girl, Zendaya plays her yeah um who's pretty great honestly i we don't really get her for this part of the movie she's just sort of the the part that we're discussing um but yeah she's just sort of appearing in dream sequences for most of this bit <laughs> but i i enjoyed her performance um yeah I, heck yeah it's, i know it was a big deal a lot of people because people love zendaya as they should she's like honestly one of the most magnetic and like exciting actors working today she especially for someone who only goes by one name and like yeah. was a disney channel star <laughs> like yeah it's so cool it's pretty impressive i like that she's magnetic and would you say that she's more magnetic than the robot salvador dali oh um yes because i believe stainless steel isn't magnetic as they taught us in primary okay. school but then wow. my stainless steel fridge took my magnet when i got home so i was <laughs> it took it belief. Yeah. Thieved it. it still oh, has no. it oh god damn it you're too weak but yeah to it was it. A... <laughs> oh, my little child arms the steel oh. itself is stainless <laughs> um people were disappointed that zendaya is not a huge part of this film yeah. i think she'll have more the zendaya hive came out and yeah we're mainly looking at sand so that was a shame for them but that's fair yeah that next in 2023, we're going to get what we need. We're going to get all the Zendaya. Yeah, it'll be yeah. it'll be the full spectrum because the, she plays a much bigger role in the like latter half of the book. <laughs> so yeah, you know. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we get in the like. She's just giving us a bit of information about how Arrakis is currently occupied by the Harkonnens, who are the baddies, main baddies, um, ruling it as like a fief and harvesting all the spice and less like they've been there long like for her entire life and mm. just bad but then all of a sudden um they uh leave they up and leave they're ordered to abandon the planet by decree of the grand space emperor um and yeah we see them like marching into their transport ships and she's like but who will come to replace them and that's where our story begins yeah, Aaron. who will be our next oppressor, which yeah. is such a, like... Mm. Yeah, from... I mean, I'm, like I said, not very far into the book at this recording, but, like, the it's such so cool to start it from her perspective yeah. and kind of... Because Dune does kind of create the kind of avatar problem of, like, someone comes to this planet and is oh, the yeah. one to save it. Um, 100%. Yeah, so the it's a good move to twist that immediately definitely the 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 book of dune is like commonly criticized as being a white savior story um mm. and this movie I, i've read a thing about um that denise said where he like was the same criticism was levied at him um when making this and he said that this is like he's leveling it as a criticism against that exact thing like the Ooh. idea that of a white savior like all these people are trying to make this white savior narrative happen but like 
proving that that is a bad idea <laughs> like yeah that's kind of what his version of dune is about and i think that's really cool um and i, yeah. I imagine we'll see again that more of that playing out as things progress in the story because yeah we're just sort of setting up that there is a white savory guy um and mm. then we get to see things go bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is like it is sort of to the like like we said a lot of this movie will ride on how they handle the second half. Absolutely. And, like, at the moment, yeah, five out of five, ten stars. But mm. it could be, if they somehow mess up part two, it could be, like, you look back on part one, like, oh, hold like on. Like, eesh. No. Yeah. Could yeah. be. We'll, we'll see. But I love, I love hearing that. That's really reassuring to know that, like, that's kind of how he's approaching it. Oh, yeah. He's fully aware of that, like, when making these films. He, he was, like, he would be stupid to just forge ahead with the exact vision of the book because, like, yeah. it is... Yeah, a little bit iffy. It was a, it's a book like made in the it's like sixties, seventies, even before that, right? Like sixty three, right? Yeah, sixty ten years before our beautiful, illustrious album, the Magnum Opus, <laughs> would be released onto the world. Um, but yeah, so he, yeah, he was fully aware of it. So yeah, we start cool. the movie here. We get the title card, which is mm. beautifully designed, as I've covered off in the past great yeah. typeface love it so smart um yeah and yeah uh we start this film proper with paul um young paul timothy Chalamet playing him waking up on um dreaming of shani um on on arrakis um and yeah he's waking up in in caladan uh his home planet mm. on, and it's the year we get a year card which is always great um <laughs> saying uh 10191 so how would you even say that like 10191 um yeah it's a complicated year to, to even <laughs> articulate um but yeah it's bloody 8000 years from now <laughs> gareth um so get hyped um yeah <laughs> something to look forward to yeah uh yeah he's on In our old age he's on um beautiful uh caladan uh, yeah. which is like mountainous and rains all the fucking time it's like if scotland <laughs> was a planet um mm. is how i would describe it a hundred percent yeah like lush and and stunning but very cold and very wet um mm. yeah um and then yeah we go uh, from here he's hanging out with his mum <laughs> there's a lot of paul hanging out with his mum in this movie yes. by the way uh <laughs> And that's a mama's recovered mother's boy. I'm like, yep, I get it. <laughs> Fully tracked. <laughs> the other kids are scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Um, especially when you're heir to the fiefdom. <laughs> yeah. As you were as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, his mum, uh, Lady Jessica, and they're having breakfast together. I'm going to cover more of them, um, more of the these characters a little bit later because we see them all in a big group and I'm going to cover them off then. Um okay but yeah they're sounds good they're preparing for like a big ceremony that's going to be happening on later that day uh and just having some breakfast together and we go into on the run as she uses the voice uh or yes. it tells him to use the voice uh to like as practice which is uh there's so much there's so much going on uh <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so there's this is like a a sort of special power um that the Bene Gesserit have who are a faction mm. and which I will cover off more soon but it's sort of like a hypnotism half hypnotism half like 
power control thing where you say you speak in a certain dialect and with a certain force behind your words and it controls mm. the person um or like yeah it's how to describe it it's um more so it's mind control a little bit pretty much right temporary mind we see control. it in action yeah yeah um but yeah just more like like suggesting things it's like hmm. I, yeah it's like if you've ever played D I'd be prepare for it by the way prepare for me to be very nerdy on this podcast if you've ever played D, oh, it's gosh. like yeah. the um suggestion spell is how i would describe <laughs> it you know you say something and the person's like yeah that's a really good idea i'm gonna do that like hmm. that's how it feels to me anyway um yeah, on a different layer of nerdiness, it's probably like the you don't want to sell me death sticks kind of thing. Yeah, very much so. It's like almost yeah. Jedi mind trick. Yeah, I would say. Mm. But like a little bit more coercive. <laughs> um, yeah. In a scary it's way. It's so cool, though, the way it's treated. Like, I'm I'm not sure if that's 100% how it is in the book, but it's like the idea that you have to get the pitch exactly right mm-hmm. and the way, like, when you're not hearing Pink Floyd play over it, the sound mix is so cool, especially when oh, he doesn't yeah. quite do it right, and it just kind of rumbles the entire cinema. Like, your dad must have hated it, but <laughs> it's so, yeah. so dope. A very loud bit for him. But, yeah, it, yeah. it is handled well sound-wise. I think he was more annoyed by the ships and stuff taking off. <laughs> That's fair. But, anyway. There's a lot of that in this film. There is, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so he tries to get her to um, pass the water over and she only like half does it. And um, yeah, so she's like, okay, a little bit more practice required. Mm. Doesn't quite have it yet. Um, and she asks him about his dreams that he's been having and we get a cut, very quick cut away to the, what we saw before um, where he's dreaming of Arrakis and uh, yeah, he sort of hides this from his mum in this instance, but I think she knows... Like, they've talked about it before, that he has mm. these dreams. Um, anyway, um, we see uh, him doing a bit of research on Arrakis. We get a, like, lore dump through documentary. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, these cute little holograms. I really like this. Um, mm. In the book, there's, like, uh, like little encyclopedia tome things, which is, like, heavily layered inside the sides of this, like, tiny USB stick-sized thing. Um, but I, I like holograms are so much cleaner, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it is this cool, like artifice thing in the book, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I found this enjoyable. Um, and yeah, we get like a little bit of info about Arrakis and it's like ecology with, it's got these crazy sandstorms that can like kill a man in seconds flat. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, a little bit about the Freeman and, um, he's looking at like, uh, diagrams of the still suits that they wear the fremen are the native people of arrakis um and we get some info on them uh we get it's, it's this like colossal lore dump of all kinds of stuff that oh you yeah need to know and the like the it's first maybe a little too much to take in on your first viewing oh yeah yeah because we get like yeah we get we get the first of all we get arrakis there's sandworms sandstorms the fremen mm. there's uh they wear these still suits to keep them safe they have eyes of a bad which is um, oh yeah <laughs> the, the glowing blue eyes um caused by the spice melange um and they yeah it's in the in the book it's your entire eye that is blue um mm. which is a, more than a little unsettling <laughs> um 
but I, so I appreciate the change to just the iris being made to glow blue. I think that's a little bit cleaner. Um, yeah, the whites of your eye are a shade of blue, like a lighter shade. But yeah, if they were just yeah. like full on Cyclops from X Mening us with the blue, it would be that it'd be harder to kind it- of like connect yeah that's how it's described though it's in the book it's yeah. like pretty intense uh, so uh, fair enough it's like yeah going to show how intense the the spice is but yeah i think it, it mm. looks it's a little bit nicer so that they look more human um because a yeah. lot of the main characters are also going to end up with this kind of effect on them so yeah would have been a bit weird looking at a bunch of like blue-eyed friends <laughs> you know mm. <laughs> very alien um but yeah so their blue eyes are caused by uh, exposure to the spice, which is uh, in the air and the sand of this planet. And it's this the only place in the known galaxy that has this spice. And it's, um, first of all, it's described what it is to the Fremen. Um, and it's this substance that's this like sacred hallucinogenic stuff that uh, preserves their life and brings them health benefits and is like this great thing it makes them strong warriors etc um but Mm. its other purpose is that it's um used by the spacing guild um who are in control of faster than light travel and it's the thing that makes that possible it's the thing that Mm. makes the whole galaxy work it's effectively how i would describe spice is that it's a combination of oil like crude oil for for cars and stuff and crack cocaine <laughs> yeah that is uh the the earth equivalent and with the value of both at the same time mm. <laughs> you know <laughs> perfect that's really good yeah yeah so it's, what is luckily not mentioned is the fact in the book and i think it will be in the sequel the fact that to travel through space with the spice you fold time and space in on itself and you yeah. don't move the universe moves yeah love if that. we had to deal with that as well as all of this stuff in this info book the hologram scene i think we would have like there would have needed to be a pause timothy chalamet would have had to look at you in the audience and be like <laughs> do you get it yeah. please talk amongst yourselves until you get it <laughs> I have a diagram if you need it. He comes, yeah. walks down out of the screen on his holographic stairs and just waits for everyone <laughs> at the front. Uh, yeah, checks in with everyone personally. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you got it? Okay, good. We're good. Um, <laughs> they do show a big old portal um, for this, uh, mm. which I don't know if that's true to the book. These big, like, portal things in space. There's a it's on one of the covers of the books um this big tube thing that the ships fly through um so yeah. i guess it must be part of it I, d- I don't know how it works personally the the space i travel. read an interview with the director that like because you see one of these portals yeah. um in action during the invasion of mm-hmm. the betrayal um and he was like i've left it purposely um unclear if we're looking at like a stargate or we're looking at like a bunch of ships coming out of like a big ship whale thing it's like yeah we'll explain it later but like again he did not want to break your brain yeah probably a good idea like Mm. and also like the spacing guild in general i think uh left like very elusive they don't talk to fucking anyone in the story Mm. like they're, they're supposed to be this enigmatic group that try and stay out of politics as best they can but are making shitloads of money out of like <laughs> folding space and time <laughs> like it's your mate with the car that's that's who the space and guild are 
when you're when you're like 16 and you need to get somewhere it's your friend yeah. that has a car <laughs> yeah you don't want to talk to him no. but you know the less you know the better Shelley's party <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, you're like how did he get this car who's this uncle he keeps talking about i really I don't, don't want to know. know just take me to kate's place please yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then be here in two hours when i need to leave kate's place yes please. i'll be loaded up on I the need spice. to get to time out <laughs> yeah <laughs> Time out is not a good reference because it's a concept of, like, punishment as well as the, <laughs> like, early 2000s New Zealand video game it's arcade. True. That's the most arcane thing we've said so far on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Dungeons and Dragons reference. No, it was well. an arcade brand in New Zealand. <laughs> hey, man. D&D's universal. Um, they yeah, played it on Arrakis. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we get this big transport ship landing on Caladan and, uh, the hangar door hits the ground in line with the crash sound of on the run. Hey, we're still doing that. Um, it's not really a huge crash, so it's not that great of a sink, but at least something (laughs) happened. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got like a retinue of, um, representatives of the emperor and the spacing guild that we were talking about earlier. Um, who have come to transfer control of this planet Arrakis to House Atreides, who are our main um, protagonists, effectively. They're who, mm. we're, they're who we're following for the story anyway. Um, and yeah, uh, and basically they have to abandon their homeworld of Caladan and move to Arrakis is like the yeah. deal because we're in a space fiefdom Um <laughs> You get your own one thief, you get another thief. It's their thief life. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Gosh, thief is such a tough word when you're stuck with my, like, Fs and THs issue <laughs> that I've had since a kid. Like, oh, I'm glad you're confidently using it. And Mate, I'm just, like, nodding along. I got you. Um, Thank you. Uh, yeah, we've got... Uh, among them also is the um, reverend mother of... Oh, actually, is she here for this? Uh, she, there's a representative of the Bene Gesserit anyway. Mm. Who, yeah. Who are these, like, shady, like, religious women. <laughs> the Bene Gesserit yeah. are super complicated, and I'm going to cover them a bit more when we get to the reverend mother scene. Um, okay. But yeah. That's when I'll save the perfect Bene Gesserit joke that my friend Aiden came up with. Oh, Shout out okay. to you, Aiden. I'm hyped. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, basically a whole bunch of pol- political bigwigs have come, and there's a, mm. uh, a line of the Atreides royal family here who are to accept this deal. Um, center stage, we have... Duke Leto, um, as played by Oscar Isaac, heartthrob, main draw for many of uh, people I know. <laughs> like, same. like, they were like, I'm just going to see Oscar Isaac do his thing. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I can't fault that, I guess. Yeah. Um, How could you not as well? Like, it's him and Timothy are like kind of perfect like meta casting yeah and this is for timothy i can explain it more succinctly but this oscar isaac ride i'm taking you on as i think of it in real time go but like you know he's been around you've watched him grow you've watched him you know everyone wants him to succeed Mm. sometimes he's given things where you're like oh no like 
I think his actual Duke Leto moment was when they cast him as Apocalypse in the X-Men movies. Oh my god. A role he was dedicated to fail. Did you see Age of Apocalypse 2016? No, I did not. Oh god. That sounds like a devastating role though. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot like it. They sent him to the desert and (laughs) set him up to fail. Because like Oscar Isaac, amazing, uh, personally more magnetic than my stainless steel fridge. Wow. Like he's got it he's funny he's great at acting Mm. and he's also yeah incredibly incredibly good looking yeah what they do for x-men age of apocalypse is they cover him in blue paint oh they put him in a big old like buff boy suit (laughs) and they give him zero lines his main line is he gets to say learning really slowly (laughs) It's such a waste. Oh, that and like, sucks. Yeah. And you couple that with then... Oh, he was still very good in The Rise of Skywalker, but that was also kind of like... Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You've, now we get to see him play this character who the world is setting up to fail, but yeah, despite it all, you want him to succeed. Hell yeah. And yeah. he's great And obviously, he's, oh, he's amazing in this film. Like, yeah. The reason people are excited to see him and talk about their crushes on him is, like, solidified by this. 100%. Yeah. And obviously, Timothy playing the chosen one, like, again, everyone wants this boy to succeed. Ever since, like, Call Me By Your Name and Ladybird, the perfect mm. one-two punch, he <laughs> has felt like the chosen one. Like, everyone knows him. Everyone, like, you'd see him in a lineup and you'd be like, that's the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He's he's great for it in a lot of ways as well because he's got this like dark brooding kind of energy mm. to him as well, which I think is required for Paul. Um, oh yeah, you know, like oh, it's so funny that the Messiah's name is Paul. I just still <laughs> yeah. can't get over it. It's like the funniest thing about Dune. I'm never gonna get over it. Um, yeah, especially when you've got characters like yeah, Shani and Glossu Raban. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will also say, and we're going to get to it, Duncan Idaho as a character oh. name, I will never understand. My boy. Um, oh yeah. God. Yeah, we'll get to him. Oh. He's not here right mm. now. He's off no. um, doing stuff. Um, but but we do have, um, he's flanked, uh, Oscar Isaac is flanked by his uh, advisors in um, Gurney, yes. who is played by Josh Brolin um, and is the uh, house war master, effectively. He's like a, a mm. hero of legend. In the book- super different to how he's portrayed in this movie um as well uh, again i could not believe that yeah yeah so uh, reading the book gurney shows up for his training scene yeah. which we'll get to it's a little earlier in the book and immediately picks up like his space guitar and sings a little song <laughs> yeah well they mention like they like uh <sighs> Paul requests a song from him mm. when they do the training and he's like, fuck off, I'm Josh Brolin. <laughs> like, exactly. absolutely not. So I think that's kind of a weird cast because, yeah, in the book, yeah. he's sort of like a warrior bard type. Like, I think of him as like this, like, huge, ugly Scotsman who has a delicate, like, romantic side to him yeah you know that's how i pictured him from the book but like and i guess josh brolin could pull that off it's just that he super doesn't like he's just like no i am like terrifying war man and nothing else (laughs) but i do like you know who could do this is um bruce willis because bruce willis famously has an album (laughs) called like the return of bruno that would have been pretty good. I would have yeah. low key. 
would have thought uh, Dave Bautista could have done it. Um, yes. I reckon if we swapped him over and we had Brolin as, um, oh, God, what is this crap you said it earlier? Glossu Rabat. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, just swapped them out. That would have been that would have been pretty good. But uh, anyway, yeah. they're both like brutey types, but I, I don't know. He has the more of a romantic side to him, I think, Bautista, mm. weirdly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway. Uh, he, he's good. And also we have um, Thufir Hawat, um, yes. who is played by Stephen McKinley Henderson. And he is the Mentat um, for House Atreides. And uh, a Mentat is a person who is effectively a human computer um, or someone mm. has tr- who has trained to um, uh, train their mind and like their, their body to... Uh, perform calculations similar to a computer um the thing about dune is that there are no computers there is a there was a big um anti-ai movement when the ai tried to take over many 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 years in the past and uh like there was like a robot uprising kind of thing and they were like fuck that never again no computers ever only and so they've developed all kinds of ways to get around that in dune and it's really interesting. It's also why um, there's like no like targeted weapon stuff kind of things like yeah. like that as well because there's no computers to do it. So um, yeah, it does it does a lot of cool uh, things with technology, Dune, and we'll get more into it, especially in the training section. Um, You've blown my mind. I think I actually need to go see Dune again just to watch it from the like it's the future but no computers angle. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it's very uh, good. Um, yeah, the Mintats are, are fascinating as a um, as an idea. We even see him do yeah. like a, a calculation where his eyes sort of roll back into his head and he just um, figures out a huge amount of money <laughs> that they spent to get here <laughs> just by using his computer power. So that's cool. Um, yeah, this is like... Oh, it was so funny. After watching this, a um, friend of the show, Maddie Smith on the drive home, asked me... Um, who was my favorite character Mm. and i thought that was such a funny question for such a serious film with everyone very like you know morally all over the place and even the idea of the hero being in question Mm -hmm. but like the idea like who's your fave who are you who are you gonna play Mm. and when we play june and by far this is my favorite character and it's entirely due to stephen mckinley henderson um if you've been following the show my <laughs> small obsession with him is growing Wow, wow um it was so funny re-watching this twice and then we rewatched ladybird like mm. to end off 2021 nice. as one of like the last movies of the year and just seeing him again playing the like drama teacher mm. and doing the like who's gonna cry first competition and all this stuff and then being like you're also the Mentat. This is amazing. <laughs> the Mentat. Oh, yeah. look out. Look out. He can do calculations real quick and be a drama yeah. teacher. Yeah. He's the double, he's the oh. triple threat. Um, anyway. Yeah. This guy, this guy's my favorite character. Wow. I love his little umbrella. I love the fact that oh, he his, just dresses like a normal guy. His umbrella um, is fantastic. I will admit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Man. I think Lady. But, um, I think the next person I'm going to describe, Lady Jessica, is my favorite character. Um, I was just going to say that. So actually, like in terms of like, if we were going to, if you and I were going to hit the playground tomorrow, James, and we were going to play June, mm. I'll play Tertha Hawat. I'll pretend to be him. Yep. And you can be any other character. I'll be we'll Lady Jessica. 
Yeah. It's a but weird pairing, yeah, but I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, what are they doing? <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of, like, the performance, what she's doing with the role, yeah. how she's written and how she's, like, fleshed out compared to oh, the-, uh, the 80s movie and the book. Yeah. Like, everything Rebecca Ferguson is doing to play Lady Jessica is so amazing. I hate that I'm saying magnetic so much this week, but, like, you can't not look at her on screen. She's doing, like, she's doing this great kind of fidget. She seems so sure of herself and unsure of herself. Why is she your favourite? The facades that she pretend, like, she puts up for all the different people in her life is so yes. fascinating. Um, and yeah, she's like behind clothes when she's alone, she's like mm. often like breaking down and, but she just puts on this brave face for like so much of this movie and it's just fucking awesome. She's like, you can just read it into her face. There's so many, so much going on. And yeah, she's, yeah. she's a fascinating character um, as well. Cause she is the, the concubine of Duke Alito. They aren't married, um, mm. for political, um, reasons effectively. Uh, it makes sense in the book as to why, but, uh, anyway, it's such a big deal on the book. It I did is. not expect that. It's huge. Um, but anyway, yeah. um, but yeah, he, uh, she is Paul's mother and, um, also a member of the Bene Gesserit who, again, I will get into later. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, of course, Paul is there as well, who we described mm. as well. So these are the, the crew here. Yeah. Also, we are still in On the Run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Of the first playthrough. Uh, so, there you mm. go. Uh, we go into time now, though, as uh, the clocks go off and we get more of this ceremony playing out. Um, the Atreides effectively sign on the bottom line. They don't have much of a choice, really, because this is being ordered by the Emperor. Um, mm. But even so... Um, uh, the Duke gives like an impassioned speech about like the Emperor calls and the and the Atreides will answer. This is like how they are as a people, you know, they're honourable mm. folk. Um, and yeah, uh, and he stamps his little seal ring into the contract, into like the the wax seal. It's uh, yeah, it's nice. It's, I like that as yeah. a recurring um, thing as well. Symbol for House Atreides also is a, a eagle. Uh, usually oh, yeah, yeah. in red as well. So um, I don't think they use the sigil for uh, the Harkonnens. I don't think you ever see it, but um, it's a blue griffin in case you're wondering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, it's um, Ravenclaw and Gryffindor swapped. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just none of the personality sides. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, yeah. We go into uh, Times Vocal now and we meet Duncan Idaho. Um, yes. Who wasn't present at this fuddy-duddy uh, signing <laughs> ceremony because he was out in his cool ship just zooming yeah. around, uh, having a good time. He's played by Jason Momoa, who I think does a great job as well. Um, oh, yeah. As this, like... Similar kind of vibe to Gurney, but not with the the sternness. He's like the fun uncle that you have. <laughs> yeah. Who, He's the uncle by blood and Gurney is the uncle by marriage. Yeah. Like, one's just chaos. The other's like, I've got to be good to this child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've got to like <laughs> teach him the right way. And the other one's like, hey, man, you want a beer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Borrow my car. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's not that uncle. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's, like, giving some encouragement to Paul, who wants to go, like, he'd, he's going to Arrakis tomorrow as, like, an advance party for the colonization um, with a secret mission. Um, and also, mm. um, 
yeah, Paul is like a, a big fan of this guy and confides in him about the dreams that he's been having um, and says that he saw Duncan among them, among the Fremen, like hanging out with them. And But he also saw Duncan's death in battle and he's like worried about it. And Duncan's like, ah, oh, it's okay. Dreams are dreams. Everything that happened, all the good things happen while you're awake <laughs> or something to that effect. Um, and yeah, uh, it, it's just a good little little vibe yeah yeah it's like he does have the closest thing this film has to a joke when he like oh yeah kind of razzes paul for if he's gained muscle or not yes which, um got a huge laugh in the cinema so yeah, i mean fair it's the closest it felt like to like a marvel-y kind of joke Just, which again nothing wrong with those but it yeah not the kind of film for them really imagine if if timothy chalamet was just ripped as hell though like oh yeah that would be terrifying <laughs> yeah it'd be unstoppable he would be he'd you- just be in every single movie i think so <laughs> he would take over everything that's a true messiah move <laughs> uh, that's how um the 70s alejandro hodowski film was going to end was everyone was going to become paul and then the planet was going to become Paul and then fly around turning other planets into Paul. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Like, oh. So, you know, that's what's going to happen if we lend Timothy Chalamet uh, gym memberships. So if please we, don't. Uh, don't do that. That's not my nah. New Year's resolution. <laughs> that's why you can't give up on the gym you've just gotta you've gotta let it go otherwise tim's gonna mm. pick up the space at the gym and just get ripped exactly yeah and the then we're social distancing at the gym you can't have that many people in there especially if one's tim <laughs> tim, <laughs> oh. tim that's gonna ball. happen he'll get buff and he'll be called tim chalamet and no we just can't have that oh, we can't have that we can't be having that yeah. um yeah we go uh, and Paul goes to meet with his father among the like historical crypts of his family out on the like yeah. mountainside. They have like a, a nice moment together um, where they're talking about sort of talking about legacy. He tries to convince his dad to let him go to the advance party again. And his dad's like, nope, uh, <laughs> you are the heir <laughs> to my house. Absolutely not. Um, and yeah, they talk about how. Uh, there'll be serious danger when they get there because the Harkin- Harkonnens are um, the historical enemies of the House Atreides. Um, there's a long-standing feud between the houses that has not gotten into in the movie just as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, they, they feel like they're being walking into a trap, basically. Um, mm. But the first step to not setting off a trap is to know that it's there um you know and then you can work around it um and yeah so uh the duke has talks about uh desert power here he's trying to say that there's a hidden strength on arrakis that the harkonnens uh overlooked and it's the fremen people he wants to invest Mm. in as much as he wants to invest in the spice he wants to invest in the people of the planet as well because they were largely um oppressed and and shunned by the Harkonnens who just like treated them as like a nuisance when they were um basically harvesting their planet dry <laughs> you know yeah um anyway uh we go into uh great gig and then there's a bit more discussion where Paul's talking about how he doesn't feel that he's ready to become like to fill the duke's shoes should something happen to him 
and the duke's like yeah dude same i didn't feel that way <laughs> like when my dad passed I, I didn't want that responsibility um but uh he has a good quote he says um a great man doesn't seek to lead he is called to it and he answers which is mm. a good le- classic leadership quote there's a lot of like good poetry and and maxims in dune um yeah the book especially like even more so it's like layered with this kind of stuff so yeah um mm. you could make like a dune corporate calendar that's just full of the fun like the good maxims in dune <laughs> and yeah <laughs> it's november fear is the mind killer <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a good post halloween uh message yeah <laughs> I like that. Um, You're not allowed to be scared anymore. It's a mind killer. No more fear. No fear. <laughs> it's just no fear. That's all it is. Um, anyway. Yeah. No fear of Ember. No fear of Ember. Um, uh, yeah. Then we get the training sequence with Gurney, um, who comes in and does a bit of uh, like final training with Paul um, here, who's like doing a bit of sparring. They've got swords and daggers and stuff. Um mm and a shield generator a personal shield generator which is like a interesting tech that they have um covers the whole body and is represented in the movie by this like glowing blue light that when pierced like glows red so it can only hold off so much um but like it's enough to deflect like blades and things like that other than like when yeah. they're pierced into you um, yeah, anything fast it deflects, but then if something goes through slowly, it yeah. turns red and yeah, let's sorry. Oh yeah, notably in the books, this is why nobody uses guns um, because they have these shields Aye. and they interact badly. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> like they can cause a serious explosions if you were using like a las gun or whatever they describe it as, like because they're made of similar stuff they interact Hmm. and cause an explosion (laughs) which is not good so like you can damage your own troops if you were using the same uh, these two together so that's why everybody's using swords and shields and stuff it's like it's very much like a hand wavy thing but it it makes for a really nice feeling sci-fi when you don't have everyone just going all the time yeah (laughs) like that's a really great point of difference in dune and i think it makes for Mm. more interesting uh action sequences so i'm thankful for it yeah speaking of the action sequences how do you like these shields the <laughs> fact like if someone gets hit you see blue light on them yeah if someone's in danger that it goes red um do you how do yeah do you, some people called it like two rock'em sock'em robots um people That's like fair. me thought it was a good way to keep track of what's going on yeah i think it's very helpful visually um mm. because without it i think it would be a little bit uh, hard to follow a lot of the action sequences especially especially the uh raid on the um arakeen because oh yeah it it's that's all at night in very dark <laughs> corridors um like without the shields i feel like you wouldn't really be able to tell much of what was going on at all um yeah so yeah i think i think they're great from a like filmmaking standpoint visual standpoint um yeah in general i think they're probably a bad idea <laughs> like uh, probably better just to use guns but anyway <laughs> but you know it makes for cool cinema and a cooler story yeah so uh, yeah. i'm for it overall um i absolutely can't wait until you see the david lynch version of these shields by the way i'm, I'm hyped 
I need a live react, if anything. Okay. It's, yeah, it's going to be good. Sure. I'll do it. I'll set it up. Um, anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so they have like a um, a bit of a sparring match where they're talking with each other. Again, this is where we have in the story, in the in the book, this is where Gurney sings his wee song. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't have that here. Um, and Gurney is like desperately trying to prepare Paul last minute. He feels like that as a family they're walking into a trap because he knows he's like terrified of the Harkonnens because Mm. he's interacted with them before um like he was part of this old feud I think uh or at least like knows the lasting effects of it and has warred with the Harkonnens before and that they gave him the scar on his face um in the story uh yeah and yeah so he's like fucking terrified of them and like desperately wants everyone to be prepared for what they're walking into um he's yeah he is certain that the, there's going to be traps all over um arrakis and they're they're not going to just leave them with zero resistance that's not how it works um and yeah uh he's got they have to dive in head first because that's the only way effectively and so he's really worried and is doing his best um yeah Speaking of the Harkonnens, we cut to them now on Gady Prime, their home world, yeah. um, which looks like a fucking brutalist nightmare realm of darkness. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, oh, fuck this place. I don't want to live here. Um, <laughs> yeah, no wonder they're so angry. Yeah, fucking hey. If you lived on this planet and you're like, if your dad's covered in oil, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You're going to turn out like Dave Bautista. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we have him here. Glosser Raban, um, the mm. Baron's nephew, is played by Dave Bautista, who's been overseeing, like, Arrakis up until now. Um, and uh, Piter, who is the Mentat for um, the the Harkonnens. He's, like, the, the Thufer equivalent, um, who's played by... Uh, David Desmarchain. How do you say this guy's name? He's great. That sounds right. He's a good yeah. character actor. Um, yeah, he's really having a moment. Like he's popping up everywhere now. Yeah, I'm excited for him. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they're both like these. They're bald. They're painted white. Yeah, like hairless. They're like um, yeah. Um, Glossy Raban kind of looks like if a if Gollum got buff. Like yeah. if someone let Gollum into the gym and. Yeah, like David Desmelshan's character looks like Pinhead from the Hellraiser films. If yep. he had to take but all his pins out bit. to go into the airport, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going through the metal detector, he is not magnetic. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yes, we also have the Baron himself, Baron um, yes. Vladimir Harkonnen, um, as played by the incomparable Stellan Skarsgård, who fucking crushes it. Um, I he know, is right? terrifying in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's wearing this like insane prosthetic body because mm. the Baron is this enormous, like corpulent person, um, just like a huge baby man um, who is like just so menacing and so scary. He's cu- he's got these um, in the in the story. I think that they're like covering most parts of his body. But he has these um, metal stabilizers that hold his mm. body together because he's so huge. Um, yeah. And you see them like across his spine, which like, yeah. 
add an extra layer of terrifying. <laughs> and yeah, he's in this like sort of steam sauna realm for this yeah. introduction. So just you just buck so- naked yeah. and scheming. You just sort of see like the back of his head <laughs> for most mm. of this like plotting sort of zone. But this is the introduction and they are sinister as hell. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a real vibe with um, uh, David Desmoshan's character in the book where oh, yeah. you kind of get the Baron's point of view and he's just like, this fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, he sounds like he's <laughs> really, like, a little too much for the Baron. Yeah. And this film kind of tones him back quite a lot. He just kind of seems like a, you know, my liege kind of character. Yes. And it's all to make the Baron, like, that much more otherworldly yeah. and... That was menacing. a that was an on purpose cho- uh, choice as well to make the Baron more of like a threatening antagonist for mm. for this because in the, in the um in the book he's much more like this is the plan and it's more of like a political thing that he's overseeing from the outside he's not this like looming threat like he is in the in the um, movie very much so yeah um, oh cool yeah so yeah that was an important difference to make him more of like a not like a stereotypical villain but more more threatening as a presence and i think that was an important uh point of difference so yeah yeah he makes me think a lot like let's say you saw the godfather way too young and had nightmares (laughs) Uh this is how you get the baron like the godfather himself yeah that sounds right Yeah. yeah he speaks in this like very low scary voice um yeah yeah he's great um uh, yeah, basically, Raban's really pissed off that the uh, that Arrakis has been given to the Trades. He sees it as like a betrayal by the Emperor, and is like fucking furious about it. But he's like, the other two are saying, eh, "Hold your horses, there, there, Dave. Mm. Um, it's not <laughs> it's not as bad as you think. When is a gift not a gift?" Is when yeah. is what he says because, um, yeah, effectively, there's a grand scheme between the Harkonnens and the Emperor. Um, who are trying to set them up uh, for for a fall. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of a grand, um, as the Baron kind of turns to camera and says, when is a gift not a gift? We get the first cha-ching of money by Pink mm, Floyd. Big it's money nice. behind this. Yeah. <laughs> <Perhaps>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's very funny that um, we get very little information here and we see that more of the story play out. There's more dramatic tension in this movie than in the mm. book because in the book, right on his introduction, we get the full scheme. <laughs> laid out yeah it's like oh yeah this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen and then this is gonna happen and this is why this is happening and there you go and it's like what that was like the whole movie (laughs) why why are you telling me the full plan it's like the villain gives you their like and here's how i did it speech before any Mm. of it happened like it's really weird but um yeah and it's like the second scene in the whole book as well so like i don't know how i'd be handling dune if i hadn't seen the movie first like i don't know how i could have oh my god with yeah. the entire scheme of these worlds i did not understand yeah being just laid out to me the book itself is so dense it like mm. it has so many new ideas and words that it is throwing <laughs> at you and you've got to catch up or you are missing the train like that is yeah. <laughs> that is how that goes it's like it is very strong world building and Mm. everything has it feels like there's a real sense of place in the story and that's why dune is so successful um 
like it feels like a very lived in world but that but because of that there's so much like minutia and uh little pieces that you have to you have to catch um and in the beginning of the book it's hitting you with all of them and explaining none of them so yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's tough especially the Mm. opening chapters um but anyway we get from here we go to another scary scene because on Caladan, we've got um, a group of the Bene Gesserit are arriving on a ship, um, mm. making a special trip uh, specifically to administer a test to Paul. Um, his mum comes and wakes him up uh, and, like, is clearly rattled <laughs> by their arrival, yeah. um, like, freaking out and doing her best to, like, hold herself together. Um, and, uh, yeah is she goes to take him like prepares him for this interaction and gives him like a physical examination by uh dr ua who is a character who's yet to be introduced who um Mm. is uh played by chang chen um and yeah he's like a um a like medical man affected like similar to a mentat except trained in medicine medicine Mm. and um the human body and condition and um yeah they're their own thing in the book as well um where they have like defining features are they have a diamond tattooed on their forehead and their their hair is kept in a special ring um i can't remember Mm. their name off the top of my head these doctors they have a special group name so get at me dune nerds (laughs) um for that'd be such a weird like you've admitted you don't know it um you've given us so much information if people like are coming at you on twitter now yeah right. it's called this like i mean it's like, I could it's have okay a, uh, you just didn't know yeah I, I i just think it's cool that they they match these details in the movie as well like he has yeah. a diamond tattoo on his forehead and i'm like nice <laughs> very mm. good um but yeah ua is also like portrayed very well i think because uh, yeah. he's an extremely complicated character as we're gonna find out um but yeah he gives um paul this like physical examination and gives him a little bit of a warning um that the bene Gesserit serve their own designs and he doesn't know what they want from him and to be careful basically um yeah uh and his mum speaks to him in a little sign language which is a new thing for this movie as well um like gives him a final warning at the door saying to like remember his training in the yeah. Bene Gesserit stuff um and yeah that was another conscious to- choice by Denis to add this like secret language between um Paul and Jessica that they have um yeah, yeah. it saves a lot because like the book gives you everyone's internal monologues yeah and like that would be so confusing in a film oh my god I mean yeah. it's kind of conf- uh, at least you've got like he thought they thought but like You'd be like, who can read minds? Why can they read minds? Yeah. And just to be able to sum it up simply with like secret languages is just much nice easier. Elegant. And also speaks quite a lot to the mother-son relationship as well. Like yeah, they definitely. hang out, they've learned a whole language betwixt each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, and yeah, he enters the lion's den here over the descending scale in the money solo to mm. add the drama. And yeah, goes to meet the Reverend Mother. Um uh helen moheim um <laughs> as played by uh charlotte rampling um mm. who i don't know much about but is, no, is very scary in this movie yeah um 
And yeah, so I'll talk about the bit about the Bene Gesserit now, I guess, because mm. they're like the group behind this. Jessica's a member. Um, they are this like cabal of um, religious types that also influence the politics and pull the strings behind the scenes of the emperor and dealings between the houses. And they have their own like plot and path for humanity that they are pushing. Yeah. Um, and yeah they're sort of guiding everyone behind the scenes um as these advisors and historians um and they like have have a lot of knowledge about like the before times um in the story uh and yeah they uh they also have that power of the voice so they sort of can mind control people um yeah they're terrifying they're scary folks Mm. and they've got like huge influence over people as their weapon i would say yeah um yeah. yeah it's interesting it's like everyone knows that they're influencing the world but then i think their abilities and knowledge they're just like well we'll let them do that yeah they're like too well protected and too like intertwined with everything that's happened like they're yeah they're hard to get at i would say like it would be amazing to go to war against the Bene Gesserit because like they're so entwined with what this society is you know mm. and how it got here like they had- yeah it'd be like going to war against money yeah exactly yeah destroying capitalism is like similar kind <laughs> of ideal um yeah <laughs> but yeah like uh yeah they the, their plot going forward is they are basically <laughs> using eugenics <laughs> weirdly to like yeah. craft a messiah like craft this like crossbreed of all the houses and all the races to in like someone that has their powers to guide humanity to a better future is what they believe Mm. in doing and also like preparing the world for that eventuality is also part of it so they like weave their religion into different worlds all over and they have done so on arrakis specifically so um we'll see that um but yeah Yeah. pretty, pretty interesting as a group um Oh, yeah, it's a huge concept to have in a film and book already filled with, like, the hugest concepts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I'm very nervous to repeat my friend Aidan O'Donnell's joke. It is... Please, um, I'm ready. Okay. <sighs> Benny! Benny! Benny Gesserit! <laughs> it's great. Oh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. He walked, we went, so I've just come back from camping. He walked past me on the campground singing that song. I lost it. (laughs) And yeah, he said he's been singing it ever since he saw the movie. And now he's read the whole book and he just sings it around the house and his whole flat sing it. And in a way, he is the Benny Gesserit of that flat. Yeah, I think so. Slowly influencing them. He's got that joke religion. God damn. Yeah. Impressive. (laughs) He's weaving. He's he's the puppet master of that flat for sure. Um, I love that. Uh, The Benny Gesserit just needed to use more jokes (laughs) to have more control. Just a bit of levity, guys. Enough with the fucking we're in all black and arriving only in rain. (laughs) please <laughs> um anyway um uh, lady jessica doing a tight five standoff oh man <laughs> i love it uh and my son mr <laughs> 15 because it's always parent humor is always mr and then their age you know? <laughs> mr uh, 15 can't even pass a drink without 
getting the voice right. Oh, like, this is all workshopping. <laughs> She'd <laughs> she, get it right. She's working on it. Um, yeah, we've got... So, it's time for the test. Um, mm. She, like, uses the voice on Paul immediately, like, bringing him over, making him kneel before her. Um, and, yeah, but does this test for humanity effectively um is the the goal of this test um it's a bit more nuanced in the book than in the movie it's very hard to convey what is actually happening here yeah um because it seems like there's this like torturous thing happening um but this is it's very important as to what is going on um effectively paul has to put his hand inside this box um which he does so and as he does that um the reverend mother moves very quickly and holds a needle to his neck um the gom mm. jabbar uh a a needle coated in a deadly poison and if he moves even an inch uh she will jam it into his neck and he'll die um so and he must all he has to do to pass the test is keep his hand in the box for an indeterminate amount of time. <laughs> um, mm. uh, and yeah, when your hand is in the box, but the box, uh, you suffer incredible building pain, um, more and more layered pain upon you. And uh, yeah, it, she gives this like short speech about um, humanity versus uh, animals um, where effectively an animal caught in a trap will, uh, try and uh bite its like it will gnaw its own arm off to free itself before like <laughs> before suffering the pain of the trap and bring itself a painful death whereas a human would stay in the trap and try and kill the hunter lie in wait and endure and try and uh get one over on the person who has trapped you um is the idea mm. Um, effectively, yeah. So humans versus animals is a very important thing to the Bene Gesserit. They see the general populace effectively as livestock, um, where humans, true humans are those who have the power to like choose and, um, have, and can endure a test similar to this. They have the, like, they have the real stuff, right? Um, yeah. Yeah uh and so yeah it's it's a very it's a very dark sequence with with paul yeah. enduring this this horrible test and jessica is outside like having a terrible time because she has endured mm. this test as well in the past and um yeah she is just openly weeping and she recites the quote from dune um the, oh, yes. the litany against fear which is a um a maxim of the Bene Gesserit, um and uh, like a story kind of thing it's it's a very good quote and it's actually <laughs> like really really useful for calming one's nerves <laughs> like mm. there are genuine like benefits to uh this story <laughs> effectively it's like weirdly positive um is the outpouring from this quote in my opinion anyway um, yeah no absolutely the benny jesuit benefit yeah <laughs> yeah oh, i like that um like, yeah. I would love to get a like lovely throw pillow that says "I will must not fear." Fear is the mind killer. Yeah. Oh like, man. Just to yeah, calm me down. <laughs> Should I read the whole thing? I have it here. Yeah. Okay. So it's I, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. 
fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Which is, it's such a, like, it's a perfect little maxim for, like, Mm. not letting fear control you and to, like, learn, not only, like, um, accept that it is is happening, but also to, like, learn from it and to push past it. It's it's so good. It's such a great Mm. line. Um, But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that second half especially is so useful. Yeah, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Yeah, where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Oh, it's so good. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, so Paul, yeah, he endures this pain, and like as this uh, quote is like recited, effectively this maxim, um, and he's like stares into the Reverend Mother's eyes, and he is seeing like various visions of potential mm. futures because he has these dreams and this is part of his powers. Um, and yeah, we see visions of fire and explosions and a scorched hand in the desert. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Um, and yeah, effectively he is, he passes the test and proved himself to be more human than bestial in nature. And there you go. And at, right on the queue here, we go into us and them. So, you know yeah <laughs> that's a that's a pretty clear dichotomy <laughs> between us and them you know um that's what the Bene Gesserit are all all about absolutely us and them has the most Bene Gesserit concept of like forward he cried and the front rank died mm-hmm. the general side and the maps and the line moved from side to side like that's what they're doing they're at the back they're yeah um you know just kind of guiding as like yeah you guys can die but their plans are measured in centuries exactly yeah yeah um yeah so they have a little bit of um talk about his dreams and then she heads off like she was really here just to like figure out who this person was um because they had um as she's leaving her and jessica have a chat about um uh effectively she is scolding her for having Paul in the first place. The Benergies are at all mm. women and they, um, their planned Messiah that they intend to have is a male. Uh, and like effectively by having a male son, it's considered an act of arrogance <laughs> in the mm. Benergies are like, you thought to make yourself the, the, the Messiah, the, what is it? Quizats Herodach, Hederach so hard to say yeah, there's a lot of different names for the messiah as well i'm just gonna say messiah just because it's easier um yeah but yeah um yeah so she like scolds her for that and yeah it's it's pretty sad and like as she leaves um paul has like overheard this conversation what where do we go now god there's so much um <laughs> The, they're ready to go. That's what's happening next. They're ready to leave. Um, the ship's emerging out of the water. This is one of the loud bits that my dad didn't like. Um, there's a bit uh, with, like, Paul wandering around Caladan and, like, remembering his planet because he won't be able to come back here. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
it's like yeah just leaving your beautiful planet for one that's completely alien to you and he's like only read about in his weird hologram book um yeah that you're constantly told is going to be the worst place yeah right jeez not a good time meanwhile you're up hanging out in space scotland and could be staying there eating space haggis like oh (laughs) man delicious only the Mm. finest (laughs) um yeah they there's a bit of like a touching moment between the duke and jessica as well in the great hall as they're like packing away all their belongings to go Mm. um and then yeah um from here we just like travel to arrakis through the big gate thing and touch down on the desert surface um there's like a door opening right at the end of us and them uh flooding Mm. the hangar with light um like the old man died and they're just like all getting coated in this beautiful light um which is quite nice yeah and then yeah we go into any color and they proceed out with like a guy on the bagpipes again scotland here we go um (laughs) Uh, yeah like heralding their arrival effectively on the planet and uh Thufe is here to greet them and um he's been preparing the city for their arrival and uh yeah they get their like first look at the the area and there's a bunch of um fremen hanging out on the outskirts all wrapped up in headscarves covering them head to toe um and they're like calling things out to paul and jessica um in their language so we don't understand what's happening here um but it's explained once they get into one of the drop ships that they are um effectively um they have been following this religion that the bene Gesserit have been like seeding here for ages mm. and they think that paul's arri- paul's and um jessica's arrival heralds this messiah arriving like the savior of the Fremen. Um, yeah. So pretty, pretty yeah, clear. It's stuff. interesting. Cause it does gain like gain. It does raise the idea that this could just be a like self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you tell yeah. enough people that's the Messiah, they're going to follow him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. The, it's build a bear Messiah. Like the, the Bene Gesserit have like, <laughs> like made this happen. Um, yeah. It's, it's really, it, and the movie's sort of about that um, in a yeah. way. It's like, what happens if you like create a religion and like drill it into people and see what happens, you know, um, mm. especially a, a group that's like so heavily oppressed by this other, um, this other faction like what happens to uh, like uh, when you drive religious fanaticism to it's like nth degree um yeah it's interesting uh yeah and then just choose like a 15 year old with great bone structure to be your messiah what's gonna happen (laughs) what will happen let's find out Mm. after the break um (laughs) yeah so they get in these really cool looking um dragonfly uh drop ship things called ornithopters um i love them uh they are one of the things that have been like illustrated heavily from the book um Mm. they're great they're like they're exactly what you would think they're helicopters that fly like dragonflies and it yeah really well done in this movie um yeah was your dad happy with these extremely book fan and then also how loud they were he was very happy with the with the ornithopters they weren't too loud they were louder louder parts so yeah, so we're flying across the desert landscape to the the city, 
um, Arakin is where they're going to be staying. It's like this little, um, a fairly sm a smaller, like sort of fortress city out here, an outpost kind of city. The main city where the Harkonnens was a different one, apparently, um, where they set up shop. So this is a sort of spice collecting outpost on mm. on Arrakis. Um, and yeah, they do a bit of surveying out here through some binoculars and um, we get a look at that big old moon, baby. There's two moons <laughs> for Arrakis. Yeah, Pink Floyd could not even imagine. <laughs> I know. There's one really big one with a big hand on it. Um was like scored into it from like a, mm. a meteor crash or something. It looks great. Um, and yeah, uh, they go on inside and like and talking about the key areas they need to protect, um, like the spaceport and the spice refinery are the two main things because that's how they can survive. That's like mm. the way they will make money and be able to continue to exist on Arrakis. <laughs> As they need that to be the spice must flow. Gareth is what I'm trying mm. to say. Um, uh, yeah, we go. Um, Jessica is choosing her house servant, which is another huge deal in the book. Um, but oh yeah, isn't really here. Um, uh, she she picks the Shadout Mapes out of the um, the lineup, um, who is a Fremen woman, and yeah, she has like this gift for Jessica if she turns out to be quote the one, mm. and has to complete a test where um, she's offering the blade to her, which is a Chris knife um, uh, and asks her what it represents. And Jessica says that it's a maker. And before she can finish like her sentence, she gets cut off by a, like an exaltation from Mapes mm. who like, like screams in like religious fervor. Basically <laughs> she's like, yes, that is a maker. That's exactly right. And, um, gives her the blade uh and yeah it's a it's made of a tooth of shai halud the sand worm gareth who are oh, yes. revered as like heralds of the gods basically among the fremen people or gods themselves yeah, this is all of them are called that right this isn't the yeah. name of a specific sandworm. no no shai halud is okay, okay. um is the like effectively them as a like the sandworms as a concept um to the fremen it's like the, their name for them as a okay cool. as a thing on their planet <laughs> you know yeah it's a fit like a weather event <laughs> more so than anything <laughs> yeah. you know a fact of life yeah. um <laughs> yeah they are awesome uh <laughs> yeah this this little it's, um uh sorry oh you go no 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 you uh it's really cool that it's kind of it's explained more in the book that she was going to say it's a maker and then keep going yeah and because she's cut off again the shut out mapes has you know fulfilled her own prophecy yes. she's like forced what she wanted to hear into being what she hears exactly it's the kind of thing that would be really hard to explain or show in a in a film mm. but they do match it like exactly how it plays out in the story so yeah like if you know what's up then you know what's up but <laughs> yeah. otherwise she just gets a cool blade you know yeah um yeah uh we get another bit with um these 20 trees outside the um the palace grounds here or the fortress grounds um which are 
these like palm trees that are being tended to and Paul's out here wandering around um, the grounds and there's a like Freeman caretaker guy taking care of these um, trees and uh, effectively gives a lesson here. He talks about how these trees um, drink the or take the water every day of a hundred men. There are 20 trees and each tree mm. would have five men's worth of water. Um, so effectively the, these trees are taking the lives of potential Freeman, um, but they yeah. are, they are worshiped as sacred, um, and they must be protected in spite of this. It's like laying in how important water as like in, alongside the spice is so valuable on Arrakis. Mm. Like water is like the, the other major resource of the planet because of its scarcity, um, you know, like this, the spice is sacred and true element of um, the planet as well. And that's like more of a religious overtone for the Freeman, but the water is the real value here. Yeah. Um, and yeah. The spice is like abundant and yeah. worshipped for that, whereas the water is, you know, very rare and worshipped for that. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So again, like comparing that like fuel um, analogy where like it's a the scarce resource of water versus this uh the spice being used for interstellar travel and also um being so revered as like it's like the one thing that they're there for but like water is the real thing that is keeping that going um mm. yeah it's an interesting dichotomy but yeah uh we're getting some sand sandworm lore <laughs> because <laughs> uh, we get that that tree stuff we're right at the end of the first playthrough of the album and we're going into speak yeah. to me and playthrough two baby for sandworm lore um <laughs> we get a bit of watching he's watching more holograms paul is and um of course he's watching uh freeman do the sand walk which is this hot new dance craze um <laughs> sweeping arrakis where you walk without rhythm and you won't attract the worm gareth i believe yeah weapon of choice by fat boy slim huge <laughs> hit on arrakis um uh what a song uh, <laughs> uh like i said it's the summer of june everyone in the clubs is doing the sand walk yeah man or maybe they just all got terrible rhythm but <laughs> hard to oh. say no one's watching except the worms, man. They're, they're, yeah. they're watching. Um, yeah. We never talk about the huge worms that lie beneath every nightclub, just hoping that the rhythm, yeah. you know, stays just out enough. The rhythm takes them. Pop up. They will yeah. enrage and devour the club if, if, the, yeah. if the vibe ain't right. That's true. Um, yeah. Those damn club worms. <laughs> uh, oh, man. <laughs> They've got, like, bright neon singlets on. Oh. Whistles around their necks. <laughs> I love them now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, we get, he's looking into like, it's like a wildlife documentary that we're watching as mm. we see like a little mouse hanging out in some um, like bracken trees. <laughs> There's very little life um, out on Arrakis uh, other than the sandworms. Only very mm. small creatures can survive. And then the Fremen and that's it. Like, it must be really tough out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> are they all eating these voles or whatever? <laughs> like, that's all they got. Uh, I guess they're, like, probably, like, cultivating things in the caverns. Anyway, we'll get there. Um, yeah. Uh, 
but yes this hologram is interrupted by a uh hunter seeker a very cool thing this sequence is great mm. in the book by the way um it's this tiny little robot thing little airborne remote control drone <laughs> um, yeah that um bores a hole through the um the huge relief of uh, fish that's in um paul's room and uh is hunting around trying to get trying to kill paul and it's this like effectively it's like a tiny little dart on the end of a helicopter um and yeah it's will kill him instantly if it touches him but its vision is based on movement rather than Mm. uh anything else so like if paul moves it will like fly straight into him and kill him instantly and also yeah so he's got to stand very still um and this is heightened tension here um and he doesn't have his shield on he looks over to his shield which is sitting next to him as he's as he was watching the documentary um and it's very yeah it's, it's tense and then suddenly yeah. uh mapes comes into the room shout out mapes who is the like house servant at this stage and he saves her by like catching the hunter seeker out of the air and slamming it into the wall like stopping her mm. getting killed because it was going to slam into her um and she's like oh shit you saved me thank you um and yeah uh so yeah the, the, they uh thufa like investigates the the house and they find the body of a harkonnen who is hidden in the wall like embedded in there who was controlling this <laughs> yeah. hunter seeker um pretty messed up he was gonna like <laughs> take him out as this like hidden assassin imagine like hanging out for that long duncan idaho has mm. been on the planet for like two weeks or something this guy's just been in the wall for that long (laughs) what the fuck um anyway yeah oh god imagine all the like stuff you'd have to overhear living in your enemy's wall right oh the worst um yeah imagine my enemy living in my wall listening (laughs) to me record this podcast (laughs) Oh. oh oh my god he's ready to bore that hunter seeker through the wall at any stage yeah (laughs) just like i bored him yeah (laughs) but he's got to wait for the end of the podcast because you don't move so like exactly he can't find you (laughs) and he's gotta know how june syncs up with pink floyd's 1973 magnum opus the dark side of the moon he's got to know he's invested now yeah an hour and a half deep yeah oh my god we are oh. uh, <laughs> we cut to the harkonnens um with their very like after this assassination by them um with their very upsetting leather person pet monster i hate this yeah um, the harkonnens like later on describe like their torture that they do is described as like taking a person apart like a doll and i believe Mm. this is like the kind of result this is the shit that they're into like making amalgams of people (laughs) uh not a great vibe (laughs) very no i just thought it was like a space spider but that is no 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 that's 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 a human being or several put together i would say it's some kind of horrible mutant that they've created um yeah they're fucked up (laughs) yeah um anyway they're like no it's fine we've got a cool this is their dog (laughs) uh anyway the reverend mother is here and she's like hey 
don't kill Paul and Jessica in this huge coup that you're staging and I know about but didn't warn anyone about. Mm. Um, <laughs> and she's saying, yeah, she's saying spare them because they're important to our plans. We don't care what you do to the Duke or the rest of the Atreides, but please, like, at least spare their lives. And yeah, um, yeah. She's, it's quite hilarious that this is following a, an assassination attempt on yeah. Paul. Um, anyway, uh, so the Baron agrees. He's like, yeah, I, I will keep my word. I would never betray your order. Uh, we will not harm them. Oh, he says, he says I will not harm them, specifically, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and uh, over this, Pink Floyd sing Race Towards an Early Grave at the end of Breathe. Hey. Um, hey. And... Yeah, but after, so she heads off satisfied that she has his word and he's like, nah, they're all going to fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all the Atreides will die. Um, he's like, I said that I wouldn't kill them, but Arrakis is a very dangerous place. The desert mm. takes the weak, is what he says. And yeah, and then he hovers menacingly into the air, which is something I'm pretty sure he doesn't do in the book, but I do love. (laughs) Uh, I think he does. Simply because he he hovers in in the other movie as well. Fuck yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize he was hovering when I first saw it. I was just like, he has the longest (laughs) legs. (laughs) Oh, incredible. No, he's got this like this enormous like train on his outfit where it just dangles down. Uh, below his hovering body um yeah it's very scary very imposing um but yeah effectively he's doing he's doing the classic like well i didn't say i said that i wouldn't kill them but if the desert kills them then (laughs) not my fault um yeah like i didn't shoot him the bullet killed him kind of stuff exactly (laughs) yeah Mm. (laughs) guns don't kill people um anyway (laughs) yeah uh paul sits in with the uh like a meeting with the generals and then they go and um check out the spice stores that they have left which isn't very much um the uh, the harkonnens have left them but basically nothing so they need yeah. to get that operational um as soon as possible um uh duncan returns um duncan idaho shows up he's been hanging out with the fremen and it gives a report about what's been going on with them um basically says that there's a huge amount of fremen like way more than the harkonnens estimated and they Mm. are an incredibly powerful people um basically he was like trying to find them but they were stalking him the entire time and he eventually fought one of their assassins and nearly died um Mm. but yeah he's been among the people and um yeah he's he very much values them and he's brought an ambassador from them uh to like effectively like negotiate or at least meet with um duke leto um the new leader here so um yeah and it's uh stilgar as played by javier bardem um who is great as well uh yeah he's so good on this and like sort of unrecognizable like i yeah i mean he's still clearly him but Something about those blue eyes and the fact... I don't know. He's deep in this role and I'm loving it. Yeah. He's very strong. Um, And also just like not one to suffer ceremony is his whole vibe. Mm. He's like a very different kind of leader to the Atreides. And I think that's important. And also the Harkonnens, obviously. But um, yeah, he's he's a very different kind of leader 
uh, which I, yeah. I think is great. Um, yeah, so he comes here and is sort of sizing up what the Atreides are about. And um, uh, the Duke, like, apologizes for how the Harkonnens treated them. And he's like, if there's anything I can do for you, I will do it if it's within my power. And he's like, fucking leave us alone. <laughs> like, yeah. That's all we want. Like, leave, please do not murder us and hunt us. <laughs> and mm. he's like, yeah, I'm not going to, you can, like, I will intrude into your lands to harvest the spice as we have done. I'm sorry. That's like why we're here, <laughs> but mm. we won't ever like uh, into the, the, the steeches, which is their, like their homes in the, um, in the caverns. Um, they're, they are theirs and they won't hunt them um, so long as they like there's an uneasy truce effectively negotiated yeah here between the two um, and yeah uh, yeah there is a funny bit uh, another joke are you ready <laughs> where um, he spits um, and everyone's like oh shit this is like an insult it's about to kick off here in the meeting chamber but it's actually a Fremen sign of like <laughs> endearment where he is giving his body's moisture as like an offering <laughs> so mm. like spitting on the ground is like a, a like a noting someone else of power effectively or like a an honored greeting <laughs> mm. which is pretty pretty different i don't know if that's a great lesson from this book <laughs> <laughs> yeah just spitting it's on the ground like so bizarre to see these three because um, Duncan spits and then the Duke spits as well. Yeah. See these three, like, hugely respected <laughs> yeah. actors. Like, it's completely it's an anthropology kind of angle. Just watching their spit style. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's super gross, but I cannot now forget. It's burned in my brain that Oscar Isaac kind of sprays when he spits out. There you go. What's your spit yeah. style? That's the classic <laughs> question. Oh, my God. Uh, it's so sad that we'll have to end this podcast and start the new podcast, What's Your Spit Style? That is sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's- we just... And if we- nobody... It's all gotcha journalism. We're talking about the issues, but then we've got to know what their spit style is. And then that's the only thing we put on the show. It's a podcast where we don't edit out any of the, like, coughs or splutters because that's part of the... It's part of the experience. That- oh yeah, we edit in the coughs from other podcasts. And what's, your spit, what's your spit style? Yes, we get all that good yeah. audio ASMR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Ever wanted to hear Pete Holmes cough? We've got it. <laughs> get him on here. Just a cough, a guest spot. Yeah. Pete Holmes, please cough on our podcast. We'll play it on here. Yeah. Um, oh my god! It does make sense as a thing mm. like he's giving his body's moisture yeah. it, it tracks as like a a part of this world <laughs> you know yeah but anyway um they look su- through uh, after this like important meeting the the lads are like hanging out in the, in the like shower room or whatever like <laughs> yeah. looking at the freeman tech that duncan's brought back with him there's like a cool compass and a sand compactor which we don't get to see mm. for a little bit um but it's a very cool device and yeah he's talking about how yeah he really does admire the fremen after staying with them they are like a a very proud people and uh, strong warriors and that's what duncan's all about like yeah hell yeah um he can get down with that um yeah it's cool it's almost like this is their like james bond q scene like just check out these gadgets we're going to use later yeah a little bit and yeah 
Yeah. So from here, we're going on an excursion to look at some spice harvesting happening mm. um, with Dr. Liet Kynes, who is a character who's notably gender swapped from the book. Um, yeah. And is played by um, Sharon Duncan Brewster. Um, and yeah, she is great uh, as this mm. like eco- ecology doctor person who is overseer of the change is how she is described she's like independent working for the empire um the the emperor and um and is yeah overseeing this transition between the harkonnens and uh the atreides and effectively yeah she's impartial um yeah but yeah is taking them on this excursion she's brought them all still suits which are these like suits that they that recycle the body's water so that they can survive in the desert it's a super important thing um again fremen technology um very clever mm. uh and apparently would not work in real life apparently it would just cook you like you're in a slow cooker or crock no, pot. yeah it would be awful yeah yeah 100 yeah. um but you know just fremen's got that secret switch. tech it's powered yeah, by exactly. spice, maybe? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? It's, it's got- 8,000 years in the future. We figure it yeah, out. We'll figure it out. It's fine. There's plenty of time so that we don't slow cook for 8,000 years, all right? But <laughs> yeah. It'll be okay. That's, that'd be a very, very decadent meat, though. A stew <laughs> for that long. 8,000 years oh slow God. cooker? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like putting a, putting a mummy in a crock pot. That's what's going mm. on here. Um, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> from that mental image we are going out to um yeah to see um the the spice being harvested there is a like very brief thing actually where paul has put on his still suit uh without any help because he's like he's, it's part of his cool messiah stuff you will know yeah. their ways even though you are new to them um yeah anyway continuing on um yeah we're flying out to see the harvester in action in these cool ornithopters again and um as we get home home again in the tempo change in time um yeah we're just seeing the dunes of arrakis which is their new home you know so yeah that's a pretty pretty sweet sink and yeah yeah. and far away across the field as we pan across the desert yeah exactly and we see the harvester in the distance and then yeah we're going into great gig um which is it's this huge like box on tank treads that is out here harvesting it's like weirdly different from the harvesters that we saw um the harkonnens using i don't know what's going on maybe they've just left them with all the shit ones um yeah it sounds like it yeah potentially um but yeah so there are these other little ships that are flying around buzzing around uh watching for worm sign uh mm. worms on the horizon who always come always are drawn yeah. um by the rhythmic sounds of the of the harvesting the like whir of the machine um always attracts the worm so it's always very very dangerous to be harvesting spice but it's just part of it so i imagine throughout the day these like harvesters are lifted up into the air by the balloons and the worms will go away and then they sit down and harvest a bit more and it just happens all the fucking time like over and over and over again and that's why everyone is so chill when (laughs) they spot a worm approaching on the horizon um and they're like okay um they send out a call via radio for the um one of these balloon things to come 
They're called what are they called? Uh, da da. Carryalls is what they're yeah. called. These big balloon things, and it comes down to try and lift the um, harvester off the ground, but one of the clamps doesn't connect, and so they're fucked. <laughs> Basically, mm-hmm. um, they send out like an emergency call for a carryall to come and pick them up, but there's none in the area, and so they have to act quickly and. Duke's like, fuck the spice. We've got to save the people on that harvester because that's who he is as a person. Mm. Like the harvester people are like, we've got a load of spice. Like we're not abandoning it. Like that's how they are so used to operating out here. Um, And so they're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Why are you coming to save (laughs) us? Uh, Really confused by it. And yeah, so- there's like 21 people aboard the harvester that have to be saved. Um, and yeah, the, it's very dramatic moment. Um, Paul and Gurney like hop down onto the sands to try and like rally the people and get them to the right place. Um, but Paul want, like has not been out in the desert proper until now. He's like just been yeah. in the, in the grounds of the, um, of the city and every time a sandstorm comes, they hide inside. Um, so he ha- really hasn't been out here and immediately starts having a reaction to the spice in the air. It starts like tripping out, having visions. He starts hearing the voices of the Bene Gesserit elders <laughs> in mm. his ears, speaking like prophecies to him. Terrifying. Um, and yeah, he just sort of like goes into a trance and freezes and falls to his knees in front of the harvester. Um, and yeah, everyone else is making a mad dash for safety. Um, and it's Gurney r- realizes that Paul isn't among them anymore um, and runs to go and save him um, and like wakes him up from this like trance that he's in. And they run away together and start like sinking into the sand because the the worm is just approaching and vibrating the whole area. The sand is shifting yeah. beneath them, which is just such a great effect. I've no idea yeah. how they did this, but fuck, it looks good. Um, so scary. Uh, and yeah, they in the, like with no time to spare, get on board the, the ornithopter. And then they watch as this huge mouth appears around this already enormous harvester we just saw it in context and it just like encapsulates and eats it in this <laughs> like it just falls into it like sarlacc pit but mm. times a thousand um this thing yeah. is massive um and yeah we kind of got barely these, like, get a look at it yeah we just see its mouth it's like yeah it's got like teeth that uh similar to a blue whale i would say like these long hair like teeth i would say um it just because it's so massive i suppose and Yeah. yeah it just eats this huge metal structure and does not give a fuck like yeah surely there's nothing in that for the worm it just, it, it just like right it, it comes and eats it and that's it like it because it was moving out here it that's it he must mm. destroy it um but yeah the amount of sand this thing would have had to eat in order to get to what it wants to eat it's like i don't know if i wanted the icing on a cake on a little cupcake 
and decided to eat the entire table first just yeah. to get that icing. It's true. Uh, like, I, I imagine yeah. they don't care. So it's just like sand. it's just part of it, you know. Like mm. when you when you're eating a potato and it's got like a little bit of dirt on it or something, and you're like, well, <laughs> you know, like um, yeah, the worm don't care. He's <laughs> uh, in other depictions, they do have like big, um, like trifold kind of mouths where which fold up. So presumably, when they're burrowing underground, they don't just have their mouth open all the time. They have like they can actually close their mouths when they are yeah. traveling. But it's just that you wouldn't see it, you know. Like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, because they're underground. Um, yeah, so they they narrowly escape and. Uh, Leto, once they get back, Leto tries to like say, what the fuck was that to Kynes? And then Kynes is like, no, this is just how this goes. Like the desert is not kind to equipment and technology and mm. things will degrade over time. This wasn't a deliberate like attack by the Harkonnens. This is just like how the world is here. Um, and she also says that the desert is not kind to people either and that she should, that the duke to should protect his family and it's like vaguely threatening but also just like a legit warning um yeah yeah because there's a very dangerous place in a lot of ways uh and yeah um paul gets like a once over by dr ua again who um says that he has a heightened uh sensitivity to the spices effects effectively like an allergy um to it uh well mm. at least that's what they think but presumably this is actually because of his like nature uh, tied to the religion of um the messiah etc like he's having these visions brought on by the spice in a more powerful way because of his Bene Gesserit up upbringing it's hard to say which is true maybe it's a mixture yeah. of both um but anyway yeah uh we get to see some of his uh, fairly intense visions that he saw. Mm. Um, again, he saw the girl on Arrakis um, that he that he always sees, and uh, she leads him into the caverns, and they have a moment together where they she draws him into a kiss and then stabs him with a Chris knife. Um, and yeah, he says aloud, um, "I thought I saw my own death, only it wasn't." someone will hand me a blade and as he says that we see an image of um jessica who is covered in like facial tattoos and has uh the glowing blue eyes of the fremen and she's holding a a baby um as well and to which yeah and the wall behind her matches her facial tattoos yeah which is just cool it's a very cool image um yeah and yeah he says he that he knows that she is also with child and she's like what the mm. fuck how do you know that like i, <laughs> yeah. I only barely know that <laughs> um like the duke doesn't know nobody knows it's wild that mm. yeah but spice be like that man it's got the got yeah. the powers it's good stuff get that spice melange hi i'm james what? speaking <laughs> <laughs> that's why they make pure blue uh whatever it's called out of spice oh what is that isn't that? Do you not get that YouTube ad? No, it's not called Pure Blue. It's called something else, but it's like it's not a good ad because I can't remember what it's called. But it's just like five second ad. It's just like clear blue, ding, and it's like the best effect of pregnancy test. Oh, whoa! And then yeah. you get to watch your like skateboard fails or whatever. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I don't get that ad, but I also oh. was just about to launch into an ad for the Spice Melange as if it was like a a product you could buy. So, oh, please do. We desperately need no, the no, no. That's all. So no, that, two hours. I, I can't explain the joke and then do it. That's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's almost the way Dune is written, though, right? Like, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> we'll explain what's going to happen and then we'll do it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, from here we go to Salusa Secundus, um, the imperial prison planet gareth um a desolate waste it's a another fucking scary place um (laughs) uh rumored rumored home of the sardaukar who are the um warrior force of the empire effectively these are the Mm. guys employed by the emperor um and they are just like (laughs) the story of the sardaukar is that they are these um prisoners from this prison planet that mm. like proved theirself through countless like infighting and battles in this horrible prison world to become an elite fighting force it's like so fucking scary um but they are compared a lot to the fremen um as they are like products of their environment right the fremen Mm. are these powerful warriors that were forged in this like nightmare world and the sardaukar are uh, very similar um so yeah that's the vibe uh yeah it is terrifying that idea like oh yeah built this prison made it the worst thing ever and it's simply to train our like future army yeah exactly (laughs) i think that's like more of just like a happy accident that like you've got (laughs) like the worst prison planet ever and also like oh actually it it builds super soldiers so Mm. sweet (laughs) um I mean, it's a good way to justify, like, if you oh, ran yeah. that prison and you had to go to your boss and be like, yeah, uh, everyone's killed each other. But you could then go like, but the plus side is the one guy who killed everyone is now real swole. Yeah. Mm. Like, do, do you want him? <laughs> he could be your bodyguard. Um, uh, yeah. So trust him. The Harkins are out here um, gathering um, three battalions of Sardaukar for their um, coup that they're about to do uh, out on Arrakis. They're coming in. Uh, getting there's they're allying with the emperor to destroy the atreides effectively um and yeah shit is messed up on this planet in more ways than one we see in the background that there's like people strung up upside down and being like drained of their blood and that is being like anointed onto the heads of these warriors as some kind of like ceremony (laughs) it's fucking dark um yeah these guys yeah they're having a bad time out here (laughs) um yeah you thought the harkonnens were fucked up welcome to prison planet salusa secundus (laughs) (laughs) you know oh yeah it is like i mean how are you gonna one-up these creepy bald like sad boys oh don't worry (laughs) pour some blood on some new creepy sad boys yeah it's just a team up of the sad boys, so, you know, yeah. it makes sense. The alliance makes sense. Um, yeah. Anyway. I need an army of the saddest boys. <laughs> uh, we get, like, a final interaction between um, Jessica and Leto here, who have, like, an mm. argument effectively about the paths laid out before Paul, where Jessica's been training him in the ways of the Bene Gesserit, and Leto needs him to be his heir but together they share that um 
he is their son. So yeah. they like are pulling him t- in these two separate directions, but also like very deeply care for him. And so, yeah, um, he like levels this demand at her to take care of Paul uh, from the perspective of the Bene Gesserit person rather than his wife and mother to mm. his son, which is like very dark. And yeah, they sort of let that business kind of facade fall and yeah, they have a bit of a moment together, um, which is just as well because things are about to kick off. Um, yeah. UA uh, goes and uh, delivers like a little pill to Paul uh, presumably for his um, allergy to the spice, his reaction to the spice and to help him sleep. Um, and yeah, there's more going on there. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a uh, moment where we see the Duke and um, Lady Jessica in bed together where they're like, she's like cradling his head in her lap. It's very sweet. Um, honestly, yeah. like a, he relax us on a la- on a rackus. Yeah, man, hell yeah, yeah. Maxin and relaxin on a raxin. <laughs> um, Maxus and a rackus. <laughs> oh no, I've lost it. Maxus and relaxus on a rackus. We got there. There it is. Um, yeah. Oh. Uh, and yeah, we we're they're having a nice time together when suddenly the guards outside their palace are killed, <laughs> like mm-hmm. shot with darts, and they die. Um, and we see these in the distance, some like strange ships are touching down in the darkness. Um, and uh, the power is cut to the palace and the shields are dropped across the city. And mm-hmm. uh, it's betrayal time, baby. Um, someone has betrayed them from within. And yeah, Leto wakes up from his sleep and sees outside. There's like a strange, like strange light outside um the the palace has gone dark and yeah he sees like a strange sort of skirmish on the edge um some kind of flashing light which is unusual um and yeah he calls out to his security team uh through like a little earpiece thing that he has but no one responds and he goes down to the stairs and we see the shout out mapes has been stabbed through the chest with, yeah. with with an Arrakis, not an Arrakis, a um, Atreides sword. Um, and he is shot in, in the back by this like homing dart thing that like burrows through his shield, pressing further and further and further and then eventually pierces through. And yeah, it's a sort of sedative dart. Um, yeah. Which like immobilizes him, but doesn't kill him. And who shot the dart? It was Dr. Yue. Um, there he is, the betrayer. Yeah. Oh. Who could have seen it coming? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you'd read the book, they tell everyone. you it's coming quite a lot. Yeah, like chapter two, they're like, Yue's the betrayer. <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Gurney go- wakes up and goes to um, see, he sees Harkonnens coming in and moves to defend the city. Um, as Pink Floyd is singing about what the fighting's all about, we get like a mm. massive explosion in the middle of the city as well. Oh, it's scary. Um, they're dropping these like very slow moving bombs from the overhead ships. They like land on top of the shield, bore their way through and then explode. Um, yeah. it's such a cool visual. Um, yeah. 
just the way they get around these shields, like the weaponry that's used. Um, they mm. have these like crazy unguided like carpet bomb missiles that they use, but they don't go through the shields. Yeah. So they have all these other ways around getting through shields, which is really interesting. Um, and yeah, it is really cool to like invent something and then kind of figure out the holes in what you've invented and then invent stuff that would have been invented in that world to go around exactly it. yeah it's like yeah. a good way of like just visual problem solving it looks it looks <laughs> yeah. sweet um as well like it makes for a really cool visual so i love that mm. um, yeah the explosions kind of trapped within their own shield yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, looks really good before like bursting out uh, as the shield dissipates mm. um mm-hmm yeah gurney like a fucking badass like rallies the troops and just goes into battle like in just like regular dress just puts his um like shield on completely unarmored and it's just like fuck yeah let's (laughs) let's get it going and just starts fighting people on the ground um fighting harkonnens what a boss um Mm. The meanwhile, these uh, ships fly over and make an assault on the force, the fortress itself. Um, we see Harkonnens f- like fighting up the stairs against like a phalanx of Atreides soldiers um, who are so well trained. And this like sequence is really cool. Um, yeah. But they get flanked from behind by um, the the Sardaukar it's like it's quite contrived in that like there are these two forces on either side of them pinning them down like that's a little bit ham-fisted but it does look (laughs) really good so you know um yeah yeah it's like a glazed ham-fisted yeah it's a good looking ham I mean I'll eat it still ham yeah yeah it's still ham um (laughs) uh yeah so the duke is um uh, like awake but frozen and um uh ua apologizes to him for betraying Mm -hmm. the atreides um and explains that the harkonnens had captured his wife uh awana is her name and were torturing her (laughs) horribly um and yeah he had to bargain with them to uh, buy her freedom and Lido is the price, but he's not um, leaving them empty, empty-handed. He says he's going to do what he can for Paul. Takes um, Duke Lido's ring, like appealing to his sense of um, uh, legacy, effectively saying that like he's going to look after his heir if he can. Um, even though like this is like very little that he could do, uh, and uh, also gives him a like false tooth with Mm. a um like poison gas that he can expel out of his mouth in in an attempt to kill the baron in retribution for this so he's giving him like one chance to take out the guy who's wronged them both basically um yeah yeah it's fucked like it's it's very bad but it's like the only thing that he can do um it's very interesting that ua is the one that betrays them uh, because again, he's supposed to be this um, uh, emperor, imperial trained doctor who is above like the laws, and um, he's supposed to be incapable of this kind of betrayal. But mm. he, um, yeah, because his wife was captured, he's he's forced to do this, and yeah, it, it appeals to a very like human conflict in such a wide 
like space polit like space politics story, right? It comes down to one man like wants to <laughs> protect his wife, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's- That's such a good point. Like to it's kind of what's missing in a lot of space politics. <laughs> like a thing like, you know, the Star Wars prequels where you're just hit by the politics. Yeah. To see something like this, like Yes, we've had you for this politics, but really what's coming down to is family and love. And exactly, yeah. That kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, again, it's like, yeah, Dune is very much concerned with, like, the human element of storytelling. Um, mm. And that's why this, the, like, he, he's coming at it like, he's desperate, you know. It, it's a very hum- relatable thing. And, and if you were put in this situation, you would act similarly. Yeah, but it's just... Yeah, it's it's very sad, um, and he's doing yeah. what he can to save his wife, who he loves. Um, and yeah, we go into brain damage uh, in playthrough two, and um, as we are seeing Paul lying asleep, and we think things are going to go very badly for him. Um, mm-hmm. We see the sacred palms from earlier; the hundred men worth of palms are on fire. So that's fucked yeah those sac- yeah, sacred that trees water's and- not gonna help them now no, no, definitely not not enough water um and yeah we see the uh the little harkonnen bastard uh what's his name uh da, da, da. batista <laughs> is out here yeah <laughs> um, just beheading guards like beheading the atreides systematically and like they'd like mm. take no prisoners like fuck these guys uh He's a nasty boy. Um, yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, we see Duncan, who's desperately trying to find um, the the members of the family here. He's sprung into action. He's just like in a fucking like night shirt and barely anything else. Like yeah. pants. <laughs> like that's an old, um, like a real Christmas carol kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's got a shield on and he's just out here fucking fighting the best warriors in the galaxy mm. uh, because that's who he is. Um, and yeah, he takes down like four Sardaukar <laughs> yeah. just because he can. Um, and yeah, it goes to try and find Paul and Jessica, but they're missing. And it's because they are being loaded onto an ornithopter as prisoners of the Harkonnens. Um, they are being mm. taken away into the desert. Uh, again, their plan is uh, to uh, not kill them here. They're just going to abandon them in the middle of the planet, like in the middle of the desert and leave them to die um, mm. with plausible deniability of their, that being murder, <laughs> effectively. Um <laughs> Because they could just say, oh, yeah, they fled into the desert and we didn't see them anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which is technically true. Um, yeah. Oh, we didn't know the desert was bad. Oh, whoops. whoops. <laughs> that desert? Oh. oh whoops. Uh, we don't have them on <laughs> Gady Prime. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah. So, Duncan, like, g- goes into hot pursuit. He, like, takes down a couple of um, Harkonnens and then just, like, fucking goads a couple as he steals, a, grabs an ornithopter and flies off after. I just love that he's like, yeah, what? And they're, like, backing off away from him because they know they yeah. can't kill him. It's so good. Um, and then, yeah, he's, like, trying to escape the city in his little ornithopter while above the, the ship, uh, the huge, like, dropship thing is tracing him with a laser it's very like insect trying to escape the light of the magnifying glass <laughs> yeah you know um 
and it's yeah it's tracing across the city and just leaving devastation in its wake it's really cool <laughs> it looks great mm. all this all this action is fantastically done um we see that the baron is here and is walking the halls while well, floating through the halls of <laughs> um the of the capital with ua um in tow and uh we cut to the inside of the ornithopter with um, Paul and Jessica and Paul has carved the symbol of um, the Souk doctors. That's who they are. Got it here. And the last oh, one, there you go. There you go. Redeemed. Um, he's carved <laughs> the little diamond into the side of the ornithopter saying like it was UA basically to Jessica. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, basically the last part of this playthrough where they're escaping um, well, they're not escaping. They're being led to their deaths. Uh, the Harkonnens are being horrible. Um, the One of them threatens to rape uh, Lady Jessica. Uh, pretty mm. nasty and just like throw Paul overboard. Um, and Paul tries to use the voice uh, to get one of them to remove Jessica's gag, but it doesn't work the first time because he doesn't get the tone right. And yeah, so to them, it's just some 15-year-old who you've so, kidnapped being like, no, don't kidnap me. Yeah, exactly, so they, yeah. which is strange. And so, yeah. yeah, they, like, get up and slap him across the face. Um, and uh, his mum, like, coaches him through it with her the hand, secret hand language, which I liked, just, like, yeah. giving him words of encouragement. Um, and then, yeah, he manages to just before he's about to be thrown out the back of the ornithopter he manages to convince um the well use the voice correctly on the big meathead guy who uh removes jessica's gag and then she takes over with the voice and commands um this the this guy to kill the other one and yeah mm-hmm. let them free and that's the end of playthrough two yeah we rejoin our heroes gareth over the of the heartbeats of speak to me once more for the into the breach for the third playthrough of dark side of the moon um where lady jessica has just used the voice on uh harkonnen goon who has captured them at basically to kill his mate and set them free um using her powers bene Gesserit powers i like the fact that i don't need to explain any of this anymore because we covered off basically all of it um now Imagine it's just the- how reductive it'll be if you're like, so the Bene Gesserit, though, are this ancient Oh, right. Force. I just explained uh, it every time. No, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I hope this episode gets more listens than the one before, like, to know that, that somebody decided to jump in. <laughs> just halfway through a film? God. Mm. We haven't really even explained that that's the case, but, like, we've just launched in. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, Paul does some, like, fancy footwork and, like, kicks another one over, and they manage to, Mm. uh, subdue their captors. They take them out as we go, subdune, um, as we go into, uh, breathe. Um, and yeah, Yeah. they, like, land this ornithopter, and then it gets, like, shut down. I don't know how they remote shut down this little, um, helicopter guy, but they manage to Mm. do it. They do throw a kill switch or something. I don't know. Uh, and yeah, they they uh, climb up this sand dune here in Dune um, and overlook the destruction back in Arakeen. The like the city is just on fire. There's a huge like blimp 
<laughs> above it yeah. terrifying spaceship um and yeah like everything's fucked and they're just sort of in shock for like a little bit but it is a good vibe mm. for breathe rolling in which is like people yeah. standing shocks looking at destruction kind of works for me weirdly um, right yeah breathe in the despair yeah breathe in yeah nice <laughs> <laughs> uh, should send that to Pink Floyd like hey you guys thought about uh, changing those lyrics yeah have you thought about it boys now's the time 2022's <laughs> your year <laughs> yeah um, probably not probably not um, uh, yeah we go from here to the Duke who has is like stripped naked and is mm. just uh, still frozen from UA's um, poison or whatever his little uh, dart thing that he shot into him uh, and it's just splayed out at the dining table, his eyes like slowly opening mm. and, uh, yeah, he's surrounded by, uh, baddies. Um, all the Harkonnens are here. The, I think the Baron's at the table, um, just- Yeah, ch- the other end. Yeah, just chomping away. Uh, it's, it's like, it's very, um, like, oh, how to describe it? Uh, like biblical portrait feeling with him, like mm. like uh, Michelangelo's David kind of <laughs> vibes out here. I don't know with him like splayed out naked um, here at the table, uh, uh, surrounded by enemies. It just yeah, it feels very I don't know Renaissance. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. What is it? Um, Carl. Oh, nah. My art teacher from high school was just woken up. I assume they fall asleep at 9 p.m. and yeah. just shaking her hand and then going back to sleep because I can't remember what it was called, but they're like really intense shadow paintings and it's all just to show mm. off muscle in the dark and someone's, you know, Saturn's devouring his son. It's those kind of paintings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. I know who you mean, but I don't know the name of Goya the top of my is head. the one who likes Saturn devouring his son, but I can't remember the style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's also interesting, like, this... Baron, you know, everything kind of set up in the book and, like, in the David Lynch movie is, like, this is a bad dude. This dude, look look what he does. Oh, he's nasty. And then in this movie, it's like, oh, he goes to saunas and he eats sloppily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Just bad. He's a big, fat boy and he's got things that he enjoys, all right? Mm. <laughs> he likes a good feed. He likes hang out, hanging out in the sauna. Later on, he's going to take a lovely spa. Um Yeah. So, you know, like, he's just a, a lord of leisure in this, mm. in this movie. <laughs> and it's hard to, hard to hate him for that. But it's, yeah. it's mostly his, his deeds that we dislike. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, you know. If anyone's um, not convinced he's evil, then what he's about to do will pretty much yeah, sum it up. Basically. Yeah. Um, we do, like, so these scenes are sort of intercut where... Mm. Um, we're cutting back and forth between Jessica and Paul out in the desert who are like going through the frame kits that they found the little like uh, knapsack things that they had on the um, helicopter and, mm. uh, and this meeting between um, the Baron and uh, the Duke. Um, I, I say meeting, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, they find so Jessica and Paul find um, a little like stash of stuff. The compass is in there. There's like a um, a beacon thing to send out word to the Atreides um, and a little note. And it's been put together by Yue because um, mm. he, he's given them a little note in there um, with his little black diamond symbol on it in case you didn't realize it was from him. Um, 
And yeah, he's like given them their best chance to survive out in the desert. In spite of being this betrayer, he's sort of like done everything that he can uh, to like assuage his own uh, conscience, really. Because mm. um, he's like he had to betray them, but has done everything in his power to ensure like the the most of the family survive um, this horrible attack. Uh, yeah, which is it's a really tough thing. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so UA himself is, uh, brought before the Baron, um, who basically just doesn't even stop eating and is scolding yeah. him as a traitor, um, to the Atreides. And, uh, yeah, UA's come to collect his end of the bargain because it's gone off without a hitch, basically. Um, mm. and yeah, he floats across the table to UA and, um, he says like, he, he's one of these bloody uh cheaters <laughs> the, mm. the baron he's like he twists his words around and thinks that's really clever like out on the you ever have <laughs> like like play cards with someone and they they'll be like oh yeah i'll do <laughs> i'll do it this way like and then they'll twist your words at you mm. and just screw you over anyway and it's like that's now i will never make a deal with you again <laughs> you bastard <laughs> yeah. um Wait, yeah, that's that's the vibe. I get like very um, schoolyard bully energy from the Baron with a lot of his dealings. Like he did this earlier with the the Reverend Mother as well, where he was like, "Ah, the desert will kill them." <laughs> oh, I didn't I didn't say that I would kill them, but yeah, yeah. And like when the parents or teacher actually have to confront these bullies, and it's just like, "Nah, nah," but I said I didn't say I would do it. No, nah, yeah. like that's actually going to make a difference. Exactly the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's like, if your friend said he was going to streak the playground and everyone like gave him five bucks and then like, um, instead he just paints a small streak on the playground. Exactly. With his like pen. <laughs> with his pen? His paint yeah. pen. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Ugh. Yeah. Mm. That, that is exactly it. And you're like, oh, this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Never mind. And now he's rich. Damn this child Baron Harkonnen. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, that's a terrifying thought. I don't want to imagine like the boss baby, but it's the boss Baron. That's not what I need in my life. Oh, I'm picturing the exact same, like same size, same mm -hmm. everything. Tiny little propeller hat. <laughs> In all black, like it's, yeah. it's the same material as his like long trained robe, but it's just mm. a little floppy propeller hat. It's got an, it's, I haven't read Preludes to Dune, but I'm hoping it's just Dune babies and everyone's little. <laughs> like the Muppet babies, but, but mm. Dune. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Oh. All prequels yeah. are Muppet babies, unless unless otherwise. Like, yeah. you can assume if there's going to be a prequel, it's a Muppet babies prequel. Um, yeah. If it, if it has to say not Muppet babies in the title, otherwise it's contractually obligated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The only That's why um the Hobbit movies all end with not Muppet Babies. Yeah. There you everyone, go. Everyone remembers that. It's on all the posters. Yeah. Look closely. Kinda was Muppet Babies. There were a bunch of dwarves. Um like the little hobbits were all they're all like smaller people <laughs> compared oh, yeah. to the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There yeah. were puppets involved in Lord of the Rings, I believe. Yeah. There's the, yeah, the, yeah, okay. the, the comparison doesn't end. Uh, <laughs> mm. anyway. And like, I guess Gandalf's like the big, um, 
the nana that takes care of the Muppet Babies. Whoa. Right? Yeah. I don't know much about the Muppet Babies other than that they exist. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that they're young. Yeah, and that they are but mm. babies. Um, it, it always kind of yeah, freaked I don't know me why we, that, that, that We should that have leaned more into a Tiny Toons riff. I think I know that better than the Muppet Babies, but only barely. Well, <laughs> it's too late now, <laughs> Gareth. We've made our uh. bid. Once more. And Tiny Dunes would have been the way better pun. Oh, damn it. Oh. Well, cancel the show. Anyway. Yeah. Man, when the Emperor set us up to do this podcast, I think he might have been setting us up to fail. I think so, yeah. He's like, oh. just go into your cupboards and roast alive, boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're like, eh, it seems suspicious, but we'll do it. Um, I'm going <laughs> to dive into that trap head first. Much like Yue mm. has done, because he is uh, getting betrayed. He just gets, uh, will join his wife um, in death, effectively. And he mm. just bloody slits his throat. Duplicitous. Duplicitous. Hey. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, they're going through those, those uh, kits and there's like uh, a thumper thing in there to protect them from the worms as well. That's yeah. another thing that they find. Um, and then cutting back to the Baron again. Uh, yeah, he just like is sitting next to the, the Duke here and is gloating about his victory effectively, saying that the son and Jessica are dead and that the house of Atreides has fallen. And... Uh, yeah, the Duke uh, unleashes his secret weapon given to him by Yue and just blasts the poison from his mouth, um, mm. bites his little tooth because he like gets the Baron to lean in because he's like dying or whatever. He can, he can barely speak, and he he like whisper speaks. Um, here I am, here I remain. I think is his final words, something like that. And then yeah, blasts this poison into the room. Uh, taken out heaps of the Harkonnens. Uh, they all yeah. you see them like painfully choking and dying. And this, like his immediate death, is um, uh, immediate is, is cut to Paul finding the signet ring of his father and like realizing mm. in that moment that his father is dead as well. So, yeah, that's like a sink across, which is pretty cool. Very um, classy filmmaking. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they have this like very rough grieving moment uh, out in the tent. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we're like cutting between them, like crying and seeing uh, the Duke like lying, like as he was dead, but now surrounded by dead Harkonnens in the, mm. in the dining room. Um, yeah. Um, from here, we've got uh, Dr. Dr. Kynes, who's like out surveying the destroyed Arakeen as well. She's got like a headscarf and stuff on. Um, and uh, on the horizon, an ornithopter comes in and lands and it's Duncan. And he's like, uh, it lands right on the um, on the run crash. So thankfully, yeah. Duncan didn't crash. But, you know, it, it, it like touches down in sync, which is nice. Um, yeah, Duncan's here basically demanding that um, Kynes uh, reveal the betrayal to the emperor and to the houses. So like because she's a representative of the emperor. Um, mm. as the judge of change. Um, but she is sort of protecting herself and um, also associates more with the Fremen now than the emperor who sent her. So she's not likely to put herself in that way. 
um, but is going to go with Duncan and try and find the um, the now Duke and mm. Lady Jessica uh, out there. We get like one of the funniest scenes in the movie now where we cut back to the dining hall with these um, dudes in full hazmat gear coming in. Harkonnen's like amazingly dressed to, to take care of a poison attack. <laughs> yeah. Um, they've got like a big tube that I thought was just like a snake when I first saw it. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, that's a big snake. But no, it's like an extractive fan thing. Um, <laughs> and it would be great if they would. It would be on brand for the Harkonnens to have like yeah, a terrifying exactly. black snake <laughs> that they hang out with. <laughs> um that would that's yeah. a good strong sy- symbol for them but never mind um yeah you know you're doing well as a villain when people expect you to have a snake more than like a vacuum cleaner yeah for sure yeah mm. just like as part of your <laughs> as part of your look um mm. if you got that going on you know you're you're a bad dude bad bad person yeah, yeah. um but yes <laughs> uh they they are exploring like the fallout of this and taking bodies out of the room but who should they find but crouched like a little limpet on the ceiling is the Baron mm. still alive, hanging out up there, like managed to survive this horrible poisoning blast, like straight in his face. I guess because yeah. he's just so fucking big. <laughs> Unknown. Yeah, he had his shield on as well. He did. But, but I think like, some of the other ones did as well. You see them turning red. Yeah, but it's like a gas. Presumably gas could pass through the shield. The the shield yeah, really gas only is slow. Yeah, it only like the shields get pierced by uh like I feel like it only stops like physical things. Mm. Um I don't know how it works. <laughs> I feel like you No, need, yeah, you're like, totally so- right. Otherwise like Paul yeah. would just pass out immediately fighting in his um, shield because yeah, right? no oxygen's moving around. Yeah. And also they could just use like shields out in the desert and it would like protect them in the same way that still suits would, right? If it was like a little yeah. bubble shield because you'd recycle your own air on the inside. But I don't know. Um, yeah. No, you did right. Uh, yeah. He's anyway. Just, he's just tough. He's like little crouched up boy up on the ceiling. Hanging out up there, mm. Lionel the Richie. The exact part where you can't get him when you're trying to clean your house. <laughs> yeah, he's one like uh, pernicious uh, spider. He's just yeah. up there. You can't get rid of him. He's made his little nest, his mm. Harkonnen nest. What a what a bastard! Get out of here. Yeah, I've got a shout out to those spiders though. There was a fly in my house, and the spider I couldn't get was the one who got the fly, which wow. I also couldn't get. It was it's like, like f- watching mother nature yeah that's like a fable playing out in your <laughs> yeah, real exactly. life i like that a lot yeah you learned a valuable lesson and then you like mm. you wrote it down in your in your collection your collected works <laughs> yeah yeah gareth's fables they're all like one and a half sentences long it's great <laughs> yeah oh that would sell that's good yeah you should write some modern fables gareth that's that's what i want for you in 2022 (laughs) and then my children have to figure out if they sync with dark side of the moon all of my fables that is that is a fabled curse of your Mm. of your (laughs) dynasty (laughs) oh my gosh yeah uh children of sync floyd the series that follows this one children of moon yeah Yeah. oh there we go tiny moons (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah we got it um also the name of our branded cereal um yeah uh paul's uh having a bad time in the tent continued um as he's having a reaction <laughs> to the spice in the air he's got a little like glow stick 
thing <laughs> fresh, yeah. fresh from the rave um but yeah it's, it's seeing the the spice floating around out here and so uh cue another vision where he's hanging out with shani in the in the sands um she's like walking up along the dunes in like a white dress sort of thing white scarves mm. um and yeah uh we like crest the top of a dune of sand and see a like a battle playing out um with these freeman warriors fighting what look like sardaka but we don't really know um a force doing battle because but the freeman is definitely one side because they're bursting out of the sand as is their move um mm. And, uh, yeah, there's this one uh, warrior doing all kinds of crazy flips and stabs and stuff. Yeah. And then the visor comes up on that warrior and it's Paul's face with um, the eyes of a barn. He's got the the glowy blue eyes of yeah. the Freeman. Um, crazy. He's out here. Mm. It's a, another vision of the future. Um, we get to see, we see um, the Chris knife. Uh, on the ground which is like a, a symbol of this coming conflict as well and um a pile of just burning bodies stacked yeah. high um yeah it's a vision of the future and of um a, a holy war is how he describes it um mm. a war in his father's name in his own name and people are shouting his name over and over and over again um yeah yeah, shouting Paul again yeah, right? the most normal human name. That's scary in of itself. If you heard That's like so much scarier. If you heard like five thousand people shouting Paul, like yeah. <laughs> something's clearly gone wrong. Mm. Uh shout outs to you. If you're called Paul, um yeah, this one's for you. <laughs> yeah. If you're called Paul and you need 5,000 people, we'll be two of those people. Absolutely. Sh- yeah. Call me by your name. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're hanging Call out. Call me by your name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We see, like, them on Caladan, the um, the Freeman force as well, um, mm. like, reclaiming it um, for the Atreides. And we see Paul and Shani, like, hanging out in the, like, pod bay doors of an enormous ship. Um, yeah out, like floating above Caladan, like looking down at the this force um yeah it's very very dark <laughs> the, all this mm. future stuff he's like i guess this is his most direct um exposure to the spice and that's where his visions are like the coming thick and fast uh here he really doesn't have any relief um from yeah. the effects of the spice and so he's just like in a haze um at least until he adjusts for a little bit um but yeah he doesn't take it well yeah no <laughs> um yeah just that's like this c- is oh sorry go, go. Oh, sorry ah oh, this is definitely the scene that's like the most what you were saying last week or last half um with the like the idea that it is twisting the idea of becoming the savior Mm. he's like seeing this thing but immediately just seeing like no i turn this awful i become yeah. this warlord and he's like furious at the whole bene Gesserit system for setting him up for this exactly yeah and it yeah it reads quite different in the book from like it's worth a note i'm exactly up to the point of the book where we've started this episode oh wow so i've read yeah 
<laughs> if people are watching me read along at home. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've just passed this point. And it's, he's got a lot more of, um, like, a shut up mom energy uh. for, like, the next couple of, like, chapters or pages. Which okay. I kind of find really different to um, yeah. how it is in this movie. Because, yeah, he, like, sort of, sh- like, shoves her away in this one moment being like, fuck yeah. you for raising me on this horrible messiah bullshit and mm. making me a freak who sees visions in his dreams. Um, but then realizes like you immediately realizes after that, like that he shouldn't be pushing her away in this way, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It's not a, he's got, he's got a lot more like pathos than an average 15 year old, <laughs> I think would yeah. be. So maybe it is more realistic in the book, but I don't know. Um, it it it's nicer to watch in the movie for sure. Um, yeah, him him realizing. I'm wondering when you were 15, if you found out you were the like chosen one oh to God. a bunch of space witches. Yeah, how would you have reacted? I would have, I think, just like immediately fucked it all up for myself. But um, <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, like I didn't need that kind of ego boost when I was 15. There's no, <laughs> no. way in hell. Um, I think yeah. I started last episode saying that you shouldn't like feed into my God complex. And that's like super true. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah I, I don't need it. I would have been the exact same. I would have been like, yeah, of course I am the chosen one. Of course, everyone else is an idiot. I'm 15. Yeah. And then like immediately like dropped the ball so bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like somehow all other, all planets explode because of me and my bullshit. <laughs> oh no the holy the oh. space holy war that you start and it's like yeah. why, why are we doing this <laughs> you know just like, trying to get a muse t-shirt ruining the yeah, whole man. kingdom because i can't find <laughs> some exclusive muse merch yeah yeah it's the only way mm. the muse must flow <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god um yeah so i do like that he like isn't a shitty 15 year old in this moment and yeah he hugs yeah. his mum. <laughs> yeah. that made me feel happy <laughs> um and yeah we see him like later on in the night like toying the um with the signet ring and puts it on his finger it's assuming the mantle of being the duke in that moment as well like he's mm. he's found his way to lead um here um and then they hop out of the tent we see the cute little mouse um friend mm-hmm. friend of the show friend of the pod uh little desert mouse i love this guy yeah the he's only very... guest we could get was this mouse but he's you know silent yeah he's cute though he's got the he's got mm. very wet ears um <laughs> yeah those which ears is, are soaked he keeps flicking water at my at my face which yeah. is like uh it was helpful because it's quite warm where i am but it's getting more mm. and more annoying <laughs> um yeah Uh, there was someone on tiktok who is credited as the noises behind this mouse oh wow um i wish i'd done the research i only just remembered when i when i thought about those wet ears wow um like and it's just um kind of remixing real mouse noises which yeah you know good to know that's good yeah that's what you would Hmm. that's what i would do that makes perfect sense yeah yeah (laughs) I like I like that the the person who worked on Dune, the ma- the mouse stuff specifically is is big on TikTok. That is very good. <laughs> I mean, don't judge anything I say as a sign of it being big on TikTok. Like my okay. algorithm is exclusively small animal <laughs> sounds. 
I mean, that sounds great. There's good, yeah. It's good to be the authority on on that, you know. It sounds like you've just cultivated a good feed of TikTok, which seems yeah. like an ab... Judging from the TikToks I've seen, it, it would be an absolute nightmare to do so. Oh, yeah. So, this it's- isn't explic- explicitly my TikTok. This is... I get double um, cultivated in that this is Maddie's TikTok mm-hmm. that she then will show me, like, the ones that I'll like the most. So, she's really the good sifting. stuff. She's the spice harvester, and I'm just mm. the um, space gi- spacing girl <laughs> enjoying the <laughs> peaks, the perks. Yeah. Enjoying the, the free travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, to the good To laughs. the animal sound effects. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like... To set up a new TikTok, I would scare me so much because you'd just be getting everything you hate while you're trying to while it's trying to learn what you like. Mm. I'd just ruin too many of my days. Oh, I've already had to deal with the fact my Instagram algorithm only wants to show me Spider Man. <laughs> oh yeah, that's like being mm. born again, like discovering all yeah. the things you hate and then <laughs> and all the things you love <laughs> and having to sort them out. Like yeah, yeah. it's just a rebirth is <laughs> starting a new TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> a new experience Whoa. of life there you go yeah i uh, love the idea of someone like an old june fan who's also a big pink floyd fan having to just get through us talking about tiktok <laughs> all right yeah i'm sorry like my favorite person. book and album finally in podcast form at last <laughs> oh boy <laughs> no no well, let's move on from tiktok please um <laughs> we've got we're going home home again uh of course mm. As uh, Duncan miraculously finds them as like uh, out in the desert, like immediately. Mm. They've spent one night in the desert and he's just flying overhead like right away. It's like, oh, shit. I guess they had the little beacon going. Um, yeah. So he could like zeroed in on their location. Uh, but anyway, he, he finds them and picks them up. Um, yeah. He immediately like kneels before Paul as well as the new Duke. Um mm. Like recognizing that the old Duke is now dead. Uh, yeah. Um, we get a little bit of background um, from Kynes and and him on the ship where apparently not just Arakeen was attacked, but every populous location on the planet was attacked simultaneously by the Harkonnens and the Sardaukar, which is nuts. Like that is a very well coordinated attack. It's terrifying. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if they assaulted the Fremen. I don't really know. I think it was just like the settlements of the, of the, um, Atreides probably. Yeah. I think the Harkonnen don't really care about the Fremen. Not they at this point. Yeah. like a real threat. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we go into Great Gig in the Sky now and, uh, they stop off at a, a research post, um, or like an ecological place. Um, where they were trying mm. to like before all the spice stuff kicked off, this was like the first settling kind of, uh, zone where they were trying to, um, make a like climate change happen. Um, uh, there's a name for it, uh, like terraform effectively of the planet, um, yeah. where they were trying, yeah, they were trying to, um, bring the water up to the surface and transform Arrakis into this like paradise, de- like tropical desert, um, land. <laughs> Which would have been nice, mm-hmm. um, but then they found uh, the spice on the planet, and of course that all went to shit because yeah. um, if they ch- if they fuck with the climate, then the spice goes away. Um, yeah, so they've got to keep that balance of this 
nightmare desert world <laughs> in order to make space <laughs> travel happen. Um, uh, it's so the most the, clear um, one one to one of like this being an oil metaphor. Yeah, yeah, point. for sure. Like, oh, we stopped caring once we realized there was money to be made. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we mm. were just like, actually, fuck this planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can make cars go very fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Um, Any questions? Look how fast this car's going. <laughs> Any more how questions? Fast. Didn't think so. S- so damn fast and furious. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, fast 10 dune. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I could see it happening honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. We just like This car just goes too fast and ends up in Arrakis. <laughs> You're like, "Holy shit." And the dune <laughs> sequel that comes out there's just suddenly uh, fucking Vinny D rolling up yeah. in like a like a Porsche or something, just on a rack. And you're like, what the fuck? How did you get here? Hey, hey, uh, this spice you've got is pretty good. But have you guys heard about family? Yeah, I found I heard about a family in need of help, and I was like, maybe you could join oh. my family. Oh, yeah, I've sold it. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. They, so they rock up here um, and Jessica and Paul get given some uh, still suits so that they can survive out in the desert. Um, mm. And they make some coffee. The Fremen are out here like spitting into the same coffee cup. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's weird, but fair enough. Yeah, uh, I guess it's like all water. the moisture that they have. So they're making like the darkest, grittiest sand coffee ever. Mm. <laughs> Um, but fair enough. That's what you got to do out on Arrakis, you know? That's all you got. Yeah. Got to wake up in the morning somehow. Um. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to me till I've spit in everyone else's coffee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, we could man. make that shirt and people who have no interest in the show would definitely buy it. Yeah, that's not bad, actually. <laughs> yeah. Write that one down. Um. <laughs> I'm on it. Uh. But yeah, as they're making this terrible cup of coffee, um, some Sardaukar ships roll in to like scope mm. out the place they've been found. Um, so that's not good. Uh, Paul and Kynes are having like a, a argument slash conversation where um, he's asking uh, her if she would testify before the houses and before the emperor, saying that the like the emperor made a move against the family on um, family on uh, Arrakis. <laughs> And um, she's like, first of all, non-committal, saying that they're unlikely to believe her. But even if she did, it would lead to like the destruction of the Imperium itself. Like there mm. would be no, there would be great unrest uh, across the known universe <laughs> if <laughs> they found out like what was going on. There'd be like a war between the houses and the the Emperor and like even more conflict than already is happening. Um and so she doesn't want that. And that's kind of fair yeah. enough. Uh, and Paul's like, well, what if I could offer the emperor something? What if I married one of his daughters? Um, <laughs> and it's like, okay. <laughs> Kinds is like. Very scucks move. Yeah. I'll marry into the family. My family's your family. Um, <laughs> but she's like, no, dude, you like, they are trying to kill you. <laughs> They've sent mm. you to this desert planet and killed your dad. You have literally no bargaining chips. <laughs> like <laughs> you have been sent here to this kill zone. 
Um, so not a great plan, but uh, no, nah, not his best. No. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what she's saying. She's still gonna like try and help them, but not great ideas thus far from Paul mm. in her opinion. Um, yeah. Uh, another Skucks move from Paul, though, as he reveals to Kynes that he's seen her dream, which is a powerful yeah. thing to say to someone. He, like, knows, like, a bunch of, about of stuff about her life from some of his visions being from her perspective, um, presumably. Like, some of the stuff mm. I, like, I believe, like, the stuff with, like, Duncan among the Fremen and um, some of the conflicts that we've seen in the caverns have been actually her memories that he's just like tapped into through the Bene Gesserit powers. Uh, I'm pretty sure yeah. that's what's going on. Um, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's saying that like, she's more attuned to the Fremen way of life rather than the emperor anyway. So like, why, mm. why not side with us? Um, and he says that he could turn Arrakis into the paradise that she so wanted um, with with the wave of his hand, if he became emperor, he could make it happen, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting ploy, interesting play. Whether or not he mm. actually would when the spice is still very much a thing, who's to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that classic, like, um, live long enough to see yourself become the villain kind of. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. Low key. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, so we go like that's like playing out for all of Great Gig. This um, this sequence with the argument here, and then um, yeah. we see Sardaukar dropping in like Mission Impossible style, um, yeah. dropping in all the wires, uh, landing, trying to find um, the people here, and we see the coffee cup like abandoned on the ground, and it's because the Fremen have done their burrow under the sand tremors trick where. They just burst up and ambush the Sardaukar. But there's like 40, 50 of them. So they get pretty overwhelmed quickly. But um, yeah. still, shout out to these coffee boys for at least putting up, fighting the good fight. Um, mm. You know, I'll, uh, shout outs to those Freeman. Um, yeah. 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 I love the idea of attacking via burrowing beneath. Yeah. It's very underrated. You know, it's like. We all used fly in Pokemon, but you're a real player if you're using dig <laughs> when you played Pokemon. Yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely. You're vulnerable to earthquake, but not much mm. more. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah. Way more likely to use that than like the thunder move that can get you when you use fly. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we are going into money now as um, yeah, everyone starts hearing battle sounds um down the hall and uh duncan like goes out to investigate what's going on and sees that sardaukara outside and like seals himself in the chamber between yeah. the royal family and him and like it's it's great he like it's his last stand moment where he gives a salute the um the atreides salute to um paul before shutting the door it's so sick um, mm. yeah. And then, yeah, fights off like 10 Sardaka. Um, it's, and then gets stabbed in the chest. Uh, and like, when you think he's down, he comes back and just keeps fighting. Um, we saw the like aftermath of this in a previous vision that Paul had where he's yeah. just lying dead in a room full of Sardaka bodies. 
Um, so yeah, he took down like 20 people, which is insane. <laughs> like the best yeah. warriors in the galaxy. <laughs> um, hell yeah. Incredible stuff. Uh, Heck yeah. Uh, yeah. All from a man named Duncan Idaho. <laughs> oh, such a good name. Yeah. There's got to be a reason, like, memories of Earth. We remember the two best things, Idaho and Dunkin' Donuts yeah. or something. What's your, what's your Dune name? Your Dune name is the <laughs> state in America you most want to visit and the, your, uh, a name chosen at random from a male baby book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like right, or like your, no 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 you're like your grandfather's name and then okay and then random and then state you most want to visit <laughs> all right alec oregon <laughs> i like that i'm yeah. owen chicago <laughs> oh, that would work perfectly well yeah <laughs> both of Pretty these sound like um if we had to go 22 Jump Street or 21 Jump Street style undercover at a high school when we got to choose yeah. our own names. <laughs> What's up? Oh my oh, god. In Chicago, baby. <laughs> I oh. drive a car. It's true. Yeah. Mm. It runs on spice. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want a bumper sticker that says this car runs on spice. Oh, just... yes. There we go. Um, Little picture so, of the Baron giving a thumbs up. <laughs> so much, so much merch this episode. I like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they like the, the, the bad boys, the starter cast start cutting through the door with this like laser pointed gun thing, mm. uh, which is sweet looking. Um, again, it's like a, a channel. They use similar technology when they were attacking, um, Arakine, this like uh like magnifying glass hyper fixated light point that just cuts through metal um terrifying just as a mm. technology to exist <laughs> um <laughs> yeah super dangerous presumably like one of the things that would explode if you were wearing a shield um yeah but anyway uh yeah so they start like cutting through and um Kynes and the crew start trying to escape. They run down uh, a hall and then um, Kynes splits off from them, um, leaving the ornithopter to them to get away in because she'll try to like distract, split the party uh, and survive in the desert because she's Freeman mm. and has the best chance of surviving out there on her own. Um, and yeah, we see her like running out into the desert and uh looking she sees a worm sign um sees like the the sand shifting and shaking out there and so is going to um try and uh ride this worm with her little hooks that she has yeah. which is sick we don't really know that here but that's what the plan is um because we haven't i don't think we've seen the like the worm riding until like right at the end um now nah, that's like the big reveal yeah like check this shit out kind of thing yeah we've seen these like hook things before but we haven't we don't know mm. what they're for yet um but yeah uh yeah so jessica and paul uh run for the ornithopter and um get away as we're into the like um descending scale of time but they've, mm. they've been scoped by a sardaukar who are gonna give chase um Kynes like puts down a thumper uh to draw the worm to like nearby 
but not to like yeah. kill her <laughs> um, yeah. so that she can uh, ride it. But before she can, she gets stabbed through the back and uh, by Sardaukar and um, fucking we get the cruising for a bruising uh, ad lib <laughs> in um, us and them. Uh, or, or like, no, right at the end of money. Sorry. Money. Yeah. Uh, as uh, yeah, she's like, she says uh, that she only serves one master and that's Shai Halud, baby, the big worm and starts yeah. thumping a baseline into the earth with her fist and yeah, draws the worm close and it eats, it consumes them all in its big worm mouth. Um, yeah. That's very good. What a way to go. Yeah. Very worth noting that, so cast your mind back. I'm in the cinema, you know, I know I'm going to sink this one day, but I'm not sinking it right now. I'm just trying to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Having my free time. A hundred percent. This thumping is the same tempo as the heartbeats from the start of dark side of the moon. Mm. I Absolutely. was so excited. Yeah. That rules. Huge deal. And then unfortunately it happens during money, which is the only song in like <laughs> seven, four time and not at all in sync with the thumping. No, not at all. And yeah. unfortunately I was hoping for that as well, but, but no. yeah, which we do. I, Oh, so this movie was released in America well before it reached New Zealand mm-hmm. and thus well before we could sync it. We had a fan reach out to us. Or maybe just a complete stranger who doesn't Ooh. care about the show to alert us that you should listen to. He wanted us to listen to Dark Side of the Moon, Animals and the Wall in order while watching this movie. Right. So maybe if you do that, you're going to get something in time with the thumper. Mm. Um, we did not because we have sworn a awful oath to only listen to Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Um, by Pink Floyd. The blood oath. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's ugh. every time we do one of these bonus episodes with... Krull or um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Music to Jewel by, we actually have to drain all of our blood out before yeah. we do it. And, yeah. And so then Pink Floyd can't take our blood. Yeah. That's the rule. Yeah. Mm. The blood must flow. <laughs> yeah. And then we pump it back in. Yeah. And get ready for Dune. We run it through the album, through the little, like, Ooh. the ring of the CD. <laughs> <laughs> and just- uh, Ah, that's so scary. Yeah, um, and then put it back into our body, and yeah, mm. <laughs> our one body. Why did I say body anyway? Um, <laughs> it's starting. Oh no, we've melded. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going into us and them as um, the Atreides crew. Uh, yeah, they're trying to. Uh, they're approaching the storm that was going to be help them get away. They're supposed to like coast along the front, the storm front, so that they're harder to detect. But mm. they're being pursued by. Uh, trio of ornithopters in the background and um, they shoot off these uh, seeker missiles to track them down uh, and yeah the only way to lose them and to lose track of the these missiles is to just dive headfirst into the storm the sandstorm mm. um, uh, <laughs> yeah shout out to Darude. Uh yeah and um, yeah we see that happen they are just like getting absolutely bombarded with sand the like the ornithopters falling apart the windshield cracks like oh it's scary times um mm. and yeah the the machine itself is like struggling to operate we see the like the missiles all like 
burn up and explode on impact to the to the sand blast that they're flying into so thankfully none of the missiles um land uh mm. but yeah the the sandstorm itself is taking its toll um jessica again just like uh starts speaking the um litany against fear um dives into that that old chestnut that classic yeah that hit song yeah <laughs> everyone's favorite <laughs> hit single <laughs> in, in, in Dune. Um, and yeah, Paul sees another vision of the Freeman, presumably again from the, the spice um, in the, in the sandstorm being blown at him. And um, yeah. And presumably what is a scene of the sequel, um, we <laughs> see like a Freeman man uh, guiding them. And um, he Drops another fucking banger quote from Dune, which is the mystery mm. of life isn't a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. Oof. So yeah, good. Yeah. yeah um, put that on the Dune calendar. Fucking A. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So he like, uh, yeah, interprets this, this message and um, of the future and yeah, turns off the controls to the, um, to the Thopter. And just starts, yeah, the wings come in and then they are just like a leaf on the wind, you know, flying around. Mm. I do like that the the Thopter with its leaves and looks like a little, um, one of those little uh, ginkgo seed pods, the little propeller yeah. leaves. I think that's intentional. Um, we're just oh. spinning around, uh, freewheeling out here in the, in the desert storm. Um, mm. Yeah. Looks great. It's worth noting the friend who gives him this advice as well and the yeah. vision um putting his face in your brain pocket because this is something i missed the first time i saw it and when you actually realize what's going on like who this guy is mm. um by the end of the film you're you're kind of getting a little bit of the idea of the old denny the menace twist that he's oh. doing to this book yeah anyway okay i'm, I'm mm. intrigued i don't know I, I feel like i've missed it so i'm excited uh, unless i've got the wrong guy <laughs> Maybe, but I'm ninety nine percent sure. Okay, is it? Are you th- is it Jamis? Um, yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was if it was the, like the same actor or not. It, it's hard to tell in this um, very short vision. You only see him for a yes, little bit. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wasn't but it's sure. Like, um, no, you're good. It's like yeah, the idea is that you're like, oh, cool, this guy's going to be really important to the story. And then when you meet him later, you're like, oh, cool, it's the guy who's really important to the story. He must have some sort of plot armor. Yeah. Uh-oh. And uh-oh. Yeah, never mind. Um, again, yeah, like, they're, they're potential futures that he's seeing, so, mm. um, rather than, like, the set path. Um, yeah. There's an amazing quote in the book that they're probably going to use in the second movie mm-hmm. that's like, he can see the future, but only as well as, like, you can see the way you see now. Like, if there's no light, you can't see. Or if you're in a uh. valley, you can't see beyond the valley. So his, like, future visions are limited based on, like, anything could could happen. Right. I like that. Yeah. Because of, like, mm. choice and causality, I guess. Like, he can only yeah. see so far. Hmm. I yeah. like that. He sees the... Fu- I think it's like he sees the future like an endless world, but when he gets to that, when it becomes the prison, it becomes a small door to walk through. Hmm. I like it. Mm. Very good. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah. June's pretty good, eh? Yeah, I think so. And we got yeah. a good bit now because the Baron's having his lovely oil bath. Um, <laughs> yes. Recovering from his uh, poisoning. Glosu Raban is here to give his report. 
because um, he's one of the dudes uh, pursuing the Atreides clan. Um, mm. And his dad's just having a wee, having a bath, uh, and he won't get out. It's so he looks so awkward. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he's just talking to the bath. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's always awkward. If, if mm. they could have shot this with him on the other side of a bathroom door, I think they probably would have. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's awkwardly giving the report that, like, he chased them as far as he could and they went straight into the sandstorm with winds blowing 800 kilometers an hour. Holy Yay. shit, that's fast. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then um, there's no way that they would have survived that. Um and yeah, so the Baron's like, oh, thank God, it's fucking done. We see him emerge like a fucking beluga whale <laughs> coming up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, he tells uh, Raban to start selling off the spice and to like, uh, he says to squeeze them, to like mm. squeeze the populace basically and make the most money and yeah, just meter out a tiny little bit because they've got the monopoly back, you know. Like they yeah. can, they set the price, they can do whatever they want. Um bastards. <laughs> mm. And Raban asks what to do with the Fremen and he says, Kill them all. Nasty boy. And yeah, just dunks himself back into the oil. <laughs> yeah. Gotta gotta recover. This oil's like the miracle stuff. It may look gross, mm. but if you get poisoned, if you've got a sore tum, just dive in the oil bath. For like yeah. a full three days, and you'll be sweet. You'll be all good, recovered. Yeah, back to your your uh, very corpulent floating self. You know, mm. back to your baroning ways. Yeah, that's the guarantee. Yeah. I love Dave Batista in this scene. By the way, I <laughs> this is when it dawned on me, and not for this role, but Dave Batista is gonna win an Oscar before The Rock wins an Oscar. Is my big whoa. Call. And The Rock is going to be so quietly mad. Like, he can't break his brand and be mad, but he will be so mad. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I th- I think you give that- Batista the right director, it's going to happen. Yeah, I reckon that's definitely possible. Like, he's ha- he's given some really good performances over the years. Like, yeah. so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Um, and, yeah, The Rock's films aren't really, like, what the Academy is going for. So, mm. that makes a lot of sense to me. Um yeah, The Rock could win based on... Because The Rock's only going to play the same kind of guy. Yeah. Like, a man who wears khaki. Like, who has cargo pants. So, like, he could maybe, yeah. I don't know, play, like, um, the guy who founded cargo pants. And, like, how that might have ruined his <laughs> life. Like, oh, no. Maybe went, yeah, bring that to some sort of beautiful end. But, yeah. <laughs> it's Batista. He's going to do it. Oh, I love the cargo pants biopic idea. It's just yeah, got, it's just got like pocket. It's got tools in each of his pockets, but he can't fix a broken heart. Oh, oh. that's it. That's perfect. <laughs> oh no! There is actually shout uh, out to another podcast. Um, Every little thing has a great okay. episode that is about like why cargo pants were everywhere and how they just vanished immediately. Wow! And it is due to um. Oh, Abercrombie and Fitch had like mm. a lot of um, what's the, controversies based on like kind of racist um, model hiring and stuff like that, like really discriminatory mm. hiring of models. So right. like it could be, you know, you get The Rock involved in that movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, if he doesn't that, mind, you know, letting the brand go a little bit. That's an interesting story to tell at the very least, you know. Heck yeah. 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 All right, cool. There you go. There's your, there's your Oscar nom. Uh, Dwayne, get at us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, well, one uh, last thing about Batista. Sure. Um, during his uh, second marriage, he began collecting vintage metal lunchboxes. Oh, I like yeah. that a lot. Good hmm. on him. <laughs> His favorite one has Bruce Lee on it. Fuck yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That's great. Oh, I'm happy for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. Oh, man. Good, good on you. I've got a, a new a newfound love for Glossu Raban by association. Mm. You know? Oh, my gosh. I loved him in uh, uh, Blade Runner 2049 with his little glasses as well. That was such a wonderful, Ooh. wonderful time. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so they have just been coasting in the ship for um, all of uh, the <laughs> all of us and them up until like the breakdown uh, part, mm. uh, the piano zone, um, and the the short sharp shock uh, ad libby bit, um, and yeah, they they're like nearly out of fuel and the ship is fucked. But uh, they are finally close enough to the surface of the storm that they can breach it and get out. Um, and so, yeah, they they uh, get out to the top, but run out of fuel as soon as they, like, crest the top of the storm. Um, and so they just deploy the wings uh, of the little glider, the four little wings. One of them doesn't even open and the other one snaps off. So they're mm. just down to two wings and they're just gliding. Um, gliding above a dust storm is a very good fit for the R's and us and them. The like the chorus yes, line. absolutely. Really nice. Um, and yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, though, uh, another wing does fall off and then they start just spiraling downwards as we get the down and out part of the mm. <laughs> the final part of us and them um they do manage to survive this because they are just crashing into sand conveniently and not rocks <laughs> um <laughs> uh so yeah the the ship is fucked but the people inside survive so that's good um mm. and yeah uh they they make a mad dash for the nearby rocks and then yeah we get into uh any color you like the vibey track um oh yeah and they're they're put on their still suits. So it's a bit of a weird moment where um, uh, Jessica like looks over her shoulder at um, at Timothy Chalamet's like tiny boy body. <laughs> like, yes. What is going on oh. in that scene? I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just because it was like complete silence. Like they were, we were just getting any color you like, but it was a really weird vibe <laughs> on just that one I'm- shot. So glad you brought this up because everyone, this was the main question when we all got out of the cinema. <laughs> like, not, oh, what do you think Spice does? Or how do you think the Emperor is going to, you know, misuse Glossy Raban to <laughs> introduce the people to his other favorite ne- nephew? It was all, why did she look at Paul that way? Like, yeah, what was this weird so energy? Weird. So, yeah, it's very creepy. So, of course, I went to the home of creeps and I asked the, I asked, I looked on Reddit for, um, <laughs> oh, uh, I'm a little get, stinker. Get burned, um, Reddit. Holy shit. <laughs> this is why I think if there was a Reddit for the show, they won't like me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm a little mischief boy. Yeah. Um, so apparently it's meant to be 
if you watch the whole film, every time Paul has to get changed, when he gets changed mm. into his formal gear, when he gets changed yep. into like anything, he gets told to get dressed by his mum. And this ah. is supposed to be the first sign. Like he just gets straight and he just gets buck naked and then right into that stilt suit. And right. like she's just shocked that he's like doing this without any mention. Ah. Um, and that's why he looks back is just to make sure she's doing it too. Right. But it is, I'm going to say it, it's a swing and a miss. Because yeah. all everyone thinks is like, why are they looking at each other like this? Yeah, definitely. It's still like, it's like a weird like creep shot of both of them and it sucks. Yeah. But, but yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense that that is the context. But yeah, that's, mm. that's something again, that's really hard to get across in film. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, especially Rebecca Ferguson is 12 years older than Timothy Chalamet. Right. Who is like playing a character seven years younger than himself. But yeah. At all, just like, uh, there's almost not enough of a mother-son energy in yeah. the scene or something. Who's to say? It's just something in the look that's slightly off, you know? And you're like, yeah. mm, don't don't like that. Don't think that that should yeah. be happening out here on these sandy dunes. No, thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, no, no. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Not on my dunes. No. <laughs> uh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's the t another t-shirt no one's gonna buy who okay. listens to the show but a bunch of weird people will is like mother's looking at sons not on my dunes <laughs> it's such a bizarre shirt <laughs> yeah oh my gosh um yeah so moving on from that that creep show we've got uh mm. the mission is now to find the freeman out here in the desert they're sort of aimless um paul has kind of a, a vague sense of where to go because of his visions he, and he mm. we get a cut to um him seeing duncan among the um uh, the freeman again and he's like pinpointing that location in his mind's eye effectively trying to find that uh stitch where the freeman were hanging mm. out um he has another vision here again of uh, him and Shani who are looking at the desert mouse who has made like a weird little tent in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck, like a little nest thing. It's very trippy sequence um, mm. over any color you like. Uh, <laughs> just seeing yeah, them for sure. hanging out here. It's very strange. Uh, and then, yeah, we have... Uh, a friend will help you follow the friend. And y you say that this is Jamis again. I'm, I'm still not yeah. convinced that it's the guy, but it could be. Um, I'm not I will feel so bad if it's not. Also, I'll f not only like bad in the obvious way for messing up who the actors are, but just like I was so proud of myself walking out of seeing this the second time in the cinema thinking I picked up something really wise. Hmm. Oh, it could, I'm like, yeah. it could be. I just, I just am not, I'm not entirely sure. It's like, it's hard to tell. <laughs> Um, mm. but anyway, uh, yeah, so he's like going to show them the ways of the desert, etc. It's this vision yeah. of the future. Um, and then, yeah, they're trekking across these dunes, uh, to try and find, uh, where Duncan went to. And we go into, uh, brain damage as we're having to learn to do the sand walk, which is yeah. the goofy walk that you have to do. Um, to not attract the worm. They're just doing it out here. It is like, it's very, like, it has to be weird. Like, there's no way to do this elegantly <laughs> because you're you're literally walking without rhythm. Like, it's, go mm. it's going to look strange. Um, but yeah, I am glad that they commit to doing it. But later on in this movie, they fucking don't. And it annoys the hell out of me. Like, the, <laughs> the final shot of this movie, no one's doing this goofy walk. I guess for yeah. drama. And I'm like... 
fuck you guys. You should be all doing the walk. <laughs> You're attracting the worm right now. There's like 50 of you guys out here. Oh, made me so angry. Do you reckon they're walking on like rocks instead of sand? They are. They're maybe? walking on the dunes. You can see the sand. Ugh. And I'm like, fuck's sake, guys. There's even a, yeah. a big worm nearby who's zooming around um, at the end of the movie. Oh, made me irrationally yeah. angry. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So they, they're doing this, this fun sand walk uh, move um, as we're getting the lunatic is on the grass, of course, but there's no grass out here. So dunes will have mm. to suffice. Um, looking up at the, the, the twin moons again, hanging out at night. Um, because they're crossing the desert in the middle of the night so that they don't boil themselves in the in the sun. Um, yeah. It's the way the Fremen do it, is what uh, Paul says. Uh, <laughs> I love that he's just, like, read about this in a book and now <laughs> is having to do everything that he, like, read about a week ago. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty uh, great. Again, like, in the book, this is a lot more like, shut up, mom, this is what the Fremen do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> mm. What a piece of shit, kid. <laughs> but yeah, here they're much more like looking out for each other and just going along together in the yeah. in a bid for survival for both of them. <laughs> like they're fully aware of the stakes at play. <laughs> There's not much time for like fuck you, mums. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, they um, just before dawn are like hearing the rumbles of a worm presumably they're looking around a lot um mm. we we aren't hearing anything or uh seeing any subtitle that would give the game away so i'm expecting that there's a worm imminent um because they uh discover that they're standing on like compacted sand and it's too uh it's making too much noise and it's attracted the worm the rhythmic yeah, sounds. Yeah, drum sound, right? Drum, drum sand. Drum sand, yes. Which is apparently a yeah. thing in the book. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's like a specific kind of sand. I, I, I'm not sure. But, anyway. Um, hmm. They make a mad dash for uh, the rocks as they're being pursued by this, like, shifting sand. Fucking outrunning this colossal worm. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, we get the, the ooze and... Um, the like uh of of brain damage the like the nice uh closing part where they say see you on the dark side of the moon and we see the big worm mm. he comes up out of the out of the sand and we see his lovely face um just it's a powerful yeah. shot of of this enormous worm just like staring down at them um yeah it's a good you get like a full mm. glorious look at him finally he's not just in the sand um, I do really like as well that the um, the mouth of the worm kind of resembles a giant eye or iris. Like, oh yeah, because there's like a dark hole in the middle, which would be the pupil, and then the iris is the the teeth around it. If you look at it in context, it looks like an enormous eye looking at them, which is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, I just think it's a nice looking yeah. visual. Um, but yeah, uh, the worm gets drawn away by a thumper nearby. They're like someone's like out there has saved them um even though i don't think this worm was gonna move he's just sort of looking at them waiting i guess they would have yeah. been like locked in a standstill forever as this worm just like waits <laughs> for any other sound otherwise it's like gonna eat them <laughs> um, yeah 
But anyway, it gets drawn away and they, they get saved as we go into Eclipse. And um, yeah, they're hiding in these little caverns, but uh, they are not alone out here. Someone, the someone that saved them is, is slowly surrounding them because the Fremen are out here. Um, they're scouts, a group of scouts, mm. effectively. Um, yeah, surrounding them on a nearby cliffs. And buddy, Stilgar's here, the leader of the Steech that we met earlier. Um, uh, yeah, one of the one of the Freeman bigwigs out with the mm. on a scouting party. Um, and yeah, uh, they're like gathered around and um, trying to decide what to do with them. There's one guy. Uh, Jamis out here is bloody hungry for blood. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I want to claim their their water from their bodies because that's all you're good for. <laughs> and it's like, Stilgar's like, nah, I've met them before. Like, this guy is the Duke's son um, and so we can't touch him. And he's also potentially, like, the son of God. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like, maybe we should think that one through a bit more. And he's like, nah, I want to drink his blood. <laughs> um but yeah they're right at the end of this third playthrough um they're just having a big argument about what to do and um stilgar decides that um paul is young enough that he can learn the ways of the fremen um they can like teach him their ways but jessica is a a woman and b too old to be trained (laughs) um yeah is what he says uh and so sentences her to die um and yeah moves over to like cut her throat but jessica is a fucking badass like Mm. i don't know if she even uses the voice i think she just like fucking fights him wrestles the knife out of his hand as paul like is beating up other freemen and um (laughs) he gets to the like steals some of like somebody's like pistol and runs up to the high ground to point it at um, Stilgar. And meanwhile, Jessica has like wrestled his knife from him and is holding it to his throat. And Mm. uh, yeah, it's so funny that now that Stilgar's at her mercy, he's like, ah, maybe I've misjudged you. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you could kill me at any second. um, Mm. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't hey guys, a uh, new idea. Yeah, maybe this this lady's cool, <laughs> mm. and we should let her live because otherwise I'll die now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's so funny. Damn right, you did misjudge her, <laughs> Stilgar, yeah. you idiot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's like, why didn't you say you were a badass warrior? <laughs> yeah, you know, and she's like, I didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> you were coming to kill me remember uh, <laughs> anyway he's like okay cool uh you you guys are under my protection for now and once we reach the steech your fate will be decided there once we reach mm. the their settlement effectively um and uh we see behind paul um shani was there and wasn't going to let him shoot the gun um and he sort of like has a like oh shit it's the girl from my dreams moment <laughs> where yeah. he uh he literally can't think of anything to say <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah i like that she like effectively calls him an idiot says that like he chose the hardest way up the cliff um again i think this is like uh an important line of dialogue because it's showing the him that he's like choosing the path of most resistance 
um, mm. literally in his journey as well. Like, and so he has a lot to learn from the Freeman in that way, but also like his journey is going to be fraught with, uh, like adversaries and yeah, lots of, uh, obstructions in his path. Um, yeah. Heck yeah. And Shani's here oh. to help with that. Uh, yeah. It's again, like talking about the meta casting in this film, mm. just the fact that like, yeah, like we talked about last time, the, like the Zendaya nation or waiting the whole movie for Zendaya to join. And then when we see her, we're like, yes, she's here is exactly yes. how Paul would be feeling like, Exactly. Oh my god! Yes, she's here. She's real. Yeah. She's Zendaya. Her, f- <laughs> she's one of the biggest stars in the world. And her first film she was in was called Super Buddies, where she played a pony. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to just remind the world about that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, please. Oh my gosh! Actually, oh. you look at like obviously she did TV in the middle and like yeah. music, and yeah, amazing magnetic. I'll say it, <laughs> actor. But you look at yeah. her, um, just the movie side of a Wikipedia and it's um, playing the pony in Super Buddies and then immediately yep. like her iconic starring role in the new Spider-Man movies. <laughs> like, yeah. What, what a jump. Well, yeah. Incredible. Spider-Man himself would be proud. Just an ocean between those two roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Chani uh, gets charged with the protection of these newcomers, and mm. but but fucking Jamis is not having it. He's like, "Fuck this! Um, you are Stilgar. You don't make the decisions anymore because only the strongest of the Fremen are the ones who lead, and you were just bested by Jessica. Um, so uh, QED, you don't tell me what to do anymore." Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, he invokes Amtel. Um, or Amtal, I'm not sure how it's said. Um, again, we were on mute. Um, but basically, <laughs> yeah, challenges Jessica for to a fight uh, to the death for leadership of the group. Um, yeah. And uh, still guys like, you cannot fight a woman that's against the rules. Um, and he's like, well, someone fight for her then. And uh, mm. Paul steps up to defend his mum from this battle to the death. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they, they're going to have a duel out here, uh, out, out in the sun. Cause the sun is rising as we go into on the run, um, for the duel. Yeah. Um, we see a couple of visions that Paul's having, um, pre fight of him just losing to Jamis, <laughs> like getting <laughs> stabbed. Which is not what you need before you're fighting. Just a vision of yourself losing. You're like, fuck. Yeah. That's not helpful, future. <laughs> um, and he hears in his head that um, Paul Atreides must die for the Kwisatz Hederach to rise. Um, mm. Yeah, so Paul Atreides will be no more after this fight, basically, is the idea. Either he'll die or his past self will die and he will become a uh, Fremen, uh, become the Messiah effectively in this moment mm. um, is the idea, I believe. Um, and yeah, it, it says when you take a life, you take your own as well, which is like, whoa, <laughs> because if he, yeah, again, he hasn't killed anyone before in his life. So this is a huge, yeah. like coming of age kind of moment. <laughs> um, 
very weird uh yeah dunes a coming of age story uh and that you remember when you <laughs> yeah. killed your first man <laughs> god <laughs> we've all done it at uh, 15 yeah you ever get out there you get given a chris knife <laughs> by the girl yeah. of your dreams and then you just get amongst <laughs> out on the dunes um anyway uh, yeah that's such an interesting loaded scene for paul that they've um and, you know, a couple of wise audience members, because, mm. you know, we've seen that this guy he's fighting, well, he's just had proof that his vision's come true because he's met um, Zendaya. Yeah. And then we've seen that this guy he's fighting will be his friend who helps him. And then he's seen this guy kill him. So we're like, wait, what's going on? What can we trust now? And yeah, it's all going to come to a head. Yeah. Very soon. Um, yeah. She gives him the old... Uh, the, her Chris knife says that she doesn't believe in him as the Messiah, but at least you mm. can die with honor, um, which is fair enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, hands, hands uh, him the knife like he has seen so many times um, mm. in the in the past. Um, and yeah, it's just ready for ready for battle. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the symbolic moment of him getting the knife anyway. Um, yeah, we get uh, live for today, gone tomorrow, Gareth, the little ad lib in on the run as we are ready mm -hmm. for this fight. Um, Jamis is squaring off that everyone's gathered sitting around and he's just like crouched down. Um, and as we get the crash sound and on the run, uh, he stands up and the fight begins. Um, and yeah, we're getting the clocks going off um for as time starts up as they're just like ducking and weaving fighting each other there's a lot yeah. of like running around the thing about a knife fight is is that it's over as soon as someone lands the first blow <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it's like kind of difficult to make this super exciting because as soon as someone gets hit that's it's it you know <laughs> like mm. it's mostly dodging um and uh yeah instead of killing him um, like Paul is, is trained by Gurney and by Duncan. And so he's like a decent fighter and is completely underestimated by, uh, Jamis. And so, mm. um, he manages to, um, put his blade to, uh, Jamis's neck and says like demands that he yield, um, which is just not done in the Freeman culture. Like yeah. this is a, a grave insult to uh jamis because effectively he, he's being treated like he's being toyed with um and even still guys like what the fuck like is he messing with him this is really nasty and um it, jessica explains that he's never killed anyone before so he's it's mm. legitimate he doesn't want to do it um and yes jamis is getting like more and more worked up just screaming like yelling out this like war cries effectively mm -hmm um and uh yeah paul uh as we go into the ominous time chords um paul just hears quizats had herak repeated in his mind over and over again as we get more and more flashes of that holy war that is coming the burning mm. bodies etc and yeah in one final swift movement he stabs jamis taking him uh, taking his life uh, giving him the death uh that he earned and um yeah earning his mum's protection in that moment 
Mm. Yeah. And, and from like from here on for a little bit, we get like it's all slow motion as um, Paul walks away from the scene because he's sort of in shock in this moment. And again, his past self, like his childhood effectively is killed in this moment. Like yeah. he's no longer who he was. And yeah, the Freeman are all reaching out to him and putting their hands on his shoulders. Again, this is like very Christ analogy here yeah um like touching him as he walks past in slow motion and he's walking towards shani as well who's like his, representing his future out here as well um and yeah uh he's earned his place among the fremen he's like it's a life for a life that's the rules if you want to join the fremen you got to kill a fremen <laughs> which is yeah you know that's how you get less fremen that's not a, a good plan but <laughs> anyway Mm. You don't uh, have to be crazy to work here, but you do have to kill a Fremen. <laughs> yeah, but it's the, on all the it's work posters. It's one of our other t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's so many. We're just running a mm. switch shop at this point, Gareth. It's no good. Yeah. Oh, we just sold one of those to the Baron. That's interesting. Oh, weird. Oh. I think he's mm. just going to use it to mop up all the oil, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, Jessica is trying to argue... Um, for Paul to be taken off worlds because she's like, I gotta protect my son. Uh but Paul is the one who says no. He refuses mm. to leave. Um saying that his place is uh with joining the Fremen and um fulfilling his father's wishes um to bring peace to Arrakis. He's, he says that the Emperor has sent them here and that here's where they're gonna be. Like He's not going to defy the emperor, even though like that betrayed his family. He's like going to utilize this people and learn about them, you know, which is what his yeah. father wanted to do anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, he's living that legacy and yeah, uh, that we see them for the final scene here. Uh, Jamis's body is being carried across the desert and like a weird little like tarp thing. <laughs> um, yeah. To keep all its moisture, right? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that tracks. And they're, yeah, they're going to the siege and um, Paul sees in the distance uh, a, a Fremen riding on the back of a sandworm. He's got those little hooks in the sandworm yeah. and zooming around. And that's desert power, baby. We're going to ride yeah, the worms. Yeah, the guitar solo for time is ripping while that yeah. happens. Yeah, hell yeah. Sand surfing. Ooh. Very exciting. <laughs> um as they're looking at this, it's it's a little bit contrived, but Chani comes over and says that this is only the beginning, which is true. <laughs> yeah. Like, we know it's part one. <laughs> like, mm. we get it. We get that there's more. Um, mm. but yeah. She's also wrong. It's the middle of track three of Dark Side of the Moon. So <laughs> exactly. It's not. I guess we're still side one, Chani, but, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, they are traveling on. We see Paul smiling. Which is weird after right <laughs> yeah. after killing a guy. It's like, okay. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. They're, uh, we're getting the the lines in, in time here as we wrap up the the, the movie. Uh, you run and you run to catch up with the sun, but it's sinking, Gareth. And how did it yeah. sink? What did you think? How did it sink? I fucked up my final line. <laughs> oh, your catchphrase. <laughs> Damn it. Ah. Oh. <laughs> it's because I, you know, the pressure was on. You had to use my rejected catchphrase from the start of last year where I kept trying to intro the show if you run and you run to catch up with the sun, but it's sinking. 
You see, it's just too much pressure. Hello, That's why hello, I had to abandon hello. it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> for the real ones, that catchphrase. Yeah. Uh, but what did we think? How did it sink? Mm. I mean, look, cast your mind back to the 70s. Okay. Dark Side of the Moon has just hit. It's out on vinyl and cassette. People are going nuts. A filmmaker, Alejandro Hodorowski, comes to Pink Floyd. They're eating their burgers. <laughs> Delicious. He's furious, but he's like, boys, I need you to do the music for the House of Trades. Mm-hmm. And... I'm going to say it. Look, I could never make a film like The Holy Mountain. Yeah. But on this topic, I know more than Alejandro, and he was wrong. Whoa. House of Trades, no sinks for those guys. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Paul had to abandon these ways to get the sinks. Like, the Fremen have sinks. But Mm. he also has to look maybe to the other side, because the biggest sinker- with his little propeller hat, <laughs> was, of course, the Baron. The Baron's the one, like, ah. giving a look when you hear a ka-ching. He's rising up to On the Run. He's like... Yeah. Uh, he kills Yue to race towards an early grave. Yeah. He's, he's listening to the Floyd in his oily bath. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's also... It's not his film. It might be... The sequel yeah. might be his film. Who's to say? But... It's not his film, so that's... be a weird turn. <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's from all the about Baron's how he's right, and we're like, wait, what? They're like, yeah. oh, hold on. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> oh, I hope not. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at. That's, you know, the loose... That's all my visions. I don't know what one that may makes, come to pass. That makes perfect yeah, sense to me, feeling? man. Like, yeah, I'm right mm. there with you. It's the Baron's show, apparently. Um... But, like, he is making up not much of the film. Like, mm. we, we've sort of solidified that his vision of Dune, his perspective is perfect synced. Perfectly synced yeah. with the album Dark Side of the Moon. But we don't, mm. we, we only get him for a few scant scenes with Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like we can't go very high. I think I said last time mm. I was, like, at four or five on the last play but i feel like we've gone down a bit i think we should go three for dune yeah yeah i think you're right i think we've seen the baron's vision of what he thinks this movie is and that movie is avatar but starring Mm -hmm. the baron (laughs) and (laughs) avatar got an eight like yeah yeah it was it was right there we go in fact maybe his his vision was march of the penguins where he just looked at the um people who live somewhere kill themselves who's to say yeah um just a, being bemused. In a horrific wasteland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's his vibe. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm thinking it's a three. And uh, I feel like I've been, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't have had the sun. You know, we should have produced only women for Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe this movie wasn't the chosen one we thought it was. Maybe not. But, maybe not. But yeah. that's okay. You know, it's okay. We've got to see it fall like the Atreides. You mm. know, we've got to, we got to, we put in the work and we figured it out. You know, we put our heads together. Um, yeah. So there you go. Put it on the graph. Put it in your copy book. Um, yeah. Oh well, cool. Um, <sighs> but we, but like, let's imagine a world where this movie did come together. Oh, to honor Pink Floyd. Okay. 
It's our favourite segment. It's what characters in this film would you put in a Pink Floyd cover band? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to do this. Um, Good. I've got the characters in front of me. I'm going to. I'm going if on vocals. I'm putting Duncan Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because you can't not with a name like that. He's got to be your front mm. man. He has to be. Um, so he's on the vocals for sure. Um, I feel like uh, we need Kynes on the drums because she did that sweet bit where she was beating out that beat. Mm. You know, she's got the rhythm to attract the worm, and that's what I need in my in my band. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got her. Yeah, we've got her on the drums. 100%. Her slash him, depending on if you have got book Kynes versus movie Kynes. Um, mm. On the keys, I want uh, I want Thufa. The the Mentat. Mm-hmm. I want him on the keys. He's got all he'll be surrounded by all the instruments and know how to use every one. Um that's what I want from him. And a cage of keyboards. Uh he's instead of studying like maths and accounting, he's just been <laughs> studying music instead. Give me the music mentat. That's what I want. Oh, instead of Spotify, it's just a mentat. On bass. I want Zendaya on bass. <laughs> I want Shani yes. on the bass. Get her in there. Um, just crushing it. And uh, lead guitar, we've got to have Gurney. <laughs> yeah. Lead guitar and uh-huh. backup vocals from Gurney. He, like, refuses to sing on most tracks, but he's the one doing all the, like, little indent, uh, <laughs> like, spoken word stuff. Mm. That's him. He's in there. That's my lineup. <laughs> That's... Honestly, I'm not faulting that at all. I'm, if I may, like, mm-hmm. like someone who's done all the work, all the work in the group project. I think I just want to co-sign yours. I don't want to like. Hell yeah, yeah. I'll take I'm it. I'm gonna also steal your A plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, happy to provide. Like much of my university oh. career, Gareth. That's uh, <laughs> so it goes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I want to like. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they can use the pain box. Like they stick a microphone in that, and they get their like. Oh. That's where they get on the run. Yeah, that is where they get on the run. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely where they get say. the clocks. Yeah, the crash sound is just getting stabbed by the gom jabar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. The money bass line is just um. They've put down the piano from Big, mm. and they set it to sound like a bass, and then someone still walk um. Sand walking over it. Yeah, that's so how they get do that, it. That seven four rhythm. Seven four. Yeah, yeah. Seven four is uh, is the sand walk time signature. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that's why Earth is safe from our many sandworms. Is because Pink Floyd. Oh. They laid down a hit seven four song <laughs> that's probably played on rock radio at least once a day. Yeah. To keep us safe. That is the best excuse for money being on Dark Side of the Moon I've ever heard, Gareth. We've finally yeah. justified that track. Yeah, you know that one track that doesn't fit the vibe of the rest of the album? Yeah. It's keeping us safe. <laughs> it's the one holding back the the enemies at the door. It's it's yeah. keeping keeping the people of Earth safe from a worm and menace. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh, well thank you, Pink Floyd. Thank you. Thank you. And to an in order to help you protect us from the worms, we're going to continue mm-hmm. 2020 June, Dark Side of the June, 
learn more about the worms by uh, taking a little trip to the 80s yeah. to visit our dear friend David Lynch and his his brave attempt to make Dune into a movie. Mm. Maybe it'll sink better. We're going to see more Baron for sure. See more Fremen. Oh. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. Who's to say? We're we'll going to meet out. all kinds of characters that people have talked about that we've never um, met in these films. And they're going to be played by some pretty different actors. <laughs> I cannot wait. I've kept myself in yeah. the dark completely. So I'm very excited. So you know nothing about this version, right? I know nothing except that it's it's made by David Lynch and that it's got um, uh, old mate from Twin Peaks as, uh, as Paul. Um, yeah. But that's it. Oh, excellent. I will look forward to being your tour guide through the cosmos for this. Please, please. Um, as weirdly, I've chosen this to be the Dune I know more about. <laughs> chosen yeah. this to be my personality. Excellent. Oh, cool. Yes. Until then, Sink Floyd on Twitter on uh, at gmail.com. Sink Floyd pod at gmail.com. Sorry. Mm. Um, Sink Floyd pod. Are we Sink Floyd at... At Sink Floyd on Twitter, or are we at Sink Floyd Pod on Twitter? I think we are. At Sink Floyd Pod, my friend. Oh, there we go. Okay. On yeah. the YouTube, on Letterboxd, on all the good stuff. Um, yeah. Catch us. Uh, send us that uh, sweet drawing of a worm, um, and mm, I will be please. thrilled to bits. Um, yeah. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll see you then. And until then, and I'm very excited to say it, we'll see you on the dark side of the dune on the dark side of the dune it's really hot <laughs> like e even though it's the dark side it's still quite hot yeah it's, it's got the residual yeah. heat exactly yeah. arrakis is warm get your get your sand suits <laughs> your sand suits goodbye <laughs> bye <laughs> all right dang it they're called stilt suits aren't they <laughs> yep Oh, <laughs> uh, because I almost said stilt walk earlier. Stilt walk. Oh, uh, would have been better. Would have been better if they were all on stilts. Hey, now you're talking a film I'm still trying to write. <laughs> oh, stilt world. I forgot. Oh, my yeah. God. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> I hope that all made it in. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye.